get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Here we go to the fifth inning, game three. Randy Arozarena on the first pitch, sends it deep in the left, and there goes another one for Arozarena. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. That audio courtesy of Turner Sports, Randy Arozarena did it again. He did it again. Wait, who? The guy that the Cardinals used to have on their roster that they no. traded away from their roster. He plays outfield. He's a very good hitter. And I just saw this literally. Wait, the Cardinals had him? Some man. would say the Cuban Mookie Betts. No, uh, wait. Th- that's what his manager actually Guys, told Guys, you're broadcast. punking me again, right? Like Bob Gibson and the Globetrotters? Nope, nope. This one's true. He might, the Cardinals so actually had Randy Rosarina? He might be the next Mr. October when you talk about batting 600 in the postseason. 600? 600. 600. And the Cardinals had this guy. Yeah. Okay, um, sorry. And he I'll... is currently slugging um, 1250. Is that good? <laughs> Our average is what? 700? 750? For slug? Yeah. Like 500. Okay, is like really 500. Good. Three home, three home <laughs> runs. Oh, WRC Plus. Isn't that the one I'm talking about? I don't know what I'm talking three about. Three home runs in three games. Stats. Might be good. All right. Please inform me on this player so, that I know nothing about that we never had. I literally was on Twitter seconds ago. I pulled up my Twitter machine, right? And Kyle Glazer, who works for Baseball America, tweeted out, Randy Rosarena is the breakout star of the playoffs, but it's not entirely out of character for the Rays rookie. For the past seven years in three different countries, Cuba, Mexico, and the United States, Rosarena has hit, hit, and hit some more. And that's exactly what he's doing in this postseason. Since rookie rules were first established in 1958, Randy Rosarena has joined Miguel Cabrera, as the only rookies to collect four straight multi-hit games in a single postseason. His streak is active. Cabrera's streak ended in 2003 at four straight games. So, you know, Randy A has a chance to break that record. Here's one more. Randy A has 12 hits so far in the playoffs in the first five games of the Rays postseason. That is tied for the second most hit by a player through his team's first five games in a single postseason. The only player with more was Will Clark back in 1989. Those names aren't that good. Miguel Cabrera, Will Clark. Randy Rosarena is literally doing things that are almost unparalleled in the history of the Major League postseason. Jamie, this guy again played for the Cardinals, was on their roster, and they voluntarily traded him no, to the Tampa Bay Rays. Where did the Rays find this guy, for real? Yeah, unfortunately, I am uh, I am not lying. Okay, no, so then, true. if that's the case, um, 
Well, we must have got Jack Flaherty, right? That's how we got Jack Flaherty, isn't it? Well, no. you might have the next Jack Flaherty and Matthew no. Libator. Matthew Libator, who's been included in every trade rumor so far? A Libatore. Okay. He's Italian. So I was texting with a buddy last night, Cardinals fan here in St. Louis. You don't have to lie. I was texting with somebody last night. Some who, stranger. I, uh, I was like, hey, are you a Cardinals fan? They're like, yeah, man, I live in St. Louis. Is this a real number? I just texted a 314 number and hoped for the best, right? And I figured my odds were pretty good. Are you a Cardinals fan? You pay attention to the Cardinals. So I said, I said, you know, what do you think about this happening right now? You know, the, the Cardinals traded this Randy A guy to the Rays and Cardinals got Matthew Libertor in return. And he was like, you know, I will say this. At least Libertor is going to be a part of a big trade. That's probably why they got Libertor. And I was like, oh, you know, you make a good point there. Here's the problem. <laughs> you can't get a guy that's going to be trade bait unless you know that you are then going to use him as trade bait. Like they're, you're flipping him immediately. If that is the reason why you're trading for somebody, the other deal needs to already essentially be made where you're like, maybe I'm talking. Ferrario's one guy that I'm trading with, right? He's the race. Oh, he, I thought you were trading me. It's like, come on, buddy. I've tried we that for friends. a while. Oh, I don't want to do there that. for a second. Oh, Sorry, Alex. I've just been BK. I give you a no trade clause. Personally. So Ferrario is representing the Rays, and no Jamie movement. is representing. Let's call him the Rockies. For oh. and games, like right? You like like a, like a Rockies field. guy? I'll yeah. take it. I am talking to Ferrario and saying, "Hey, yeah, let's role play." I'm interested cool. in this Libertor guy. Okay. I then call Jamie and I say, "Hey, if we get Matthew Libertor, are you going to trade us Nolan Arenado if we include him in the yeah, package?" Yeah, yeah, it's called a three-way deal. And if you say yes, Jamie, then I then call back Ferrario and I say, "Okay, deal on." Then I call Jamie back. We got him. Are you ready to go? And you say yes. We just execute both trades simultaneously. Unless the Cardinals didn't do. That. I dragged my feet. Unless <laughs> or unless the Cardinals never actually called Jamie and weren't interested in taking on Nolan Arenado's contract. Not my feelings. And that's hurt. where we are today. The Cardinals have a pitcher who never pitched in the big leagues this year. And that's why it hurts so much. And Randy Rosarena plays the position that the Cardinals are currently looking for. OK, so I have a lot of questions regarding this. OK, uh, to uh, I know you read off the, the one guy said he's been hitting for the, everywhere he's been before now. How does how do the Cardinals get rid of that? And I know that's a like that's a question. That, well, I don't know. But how does he not the numbers not fly off the page? Leading up to that trade, how is there not more pushback? How about that? How is there not more pushback from Cardinals fans at that time? Because at the time, if I'm not mistaken, Tyler O'Neill was hitting 40 home runs in Triple A. Randy A was hitting, but Tyler O'Neill was hitting home runs. And I think they valued what Tyler O'Neill was bringing to the Cardinals more than what Randy Randy A was a comparable to a Lane Thomas in the minors or a Harrison Bader in the minors. Tyler better than Bader. Bader than better. Tyler O'Neill was an anomaly. Tyler O'Neill was a 40 home run guy. Tyler O'Neill to the Cardinals was a middle of the order bat. That was valued more to the Cardinals than what Randy A was. So they picked Tyler O'Neill over Randy or Rosarena. It seems that way. That doesn't seem all that uncommon, though, guys. I know we're sitting here and we're trying to beat the crap out of the Cardinals for making this deal, but there are lots of sports that have made decisions like that where they have two players that they deem to be close to being the same, and then one player emerges as greater because he's killing it in the minors or whatever the case, and you just you have to cut bait with one of them. Now, did they really have to cut bait? I don't know. It's not like they were blessed. I think like, not. If Tyler O'Neill is there, too soon. jacking home runs, that's one thing. 
But Bader isn't. Well, and Lane Tyler, Thomas, you're still not sure of. And O'Neill wasn't doing it at the majors. O'Neill was up at the majors. He had stints at the majors before they made that decision of Randy A. I think it was a premature decision for him. Well, and the text line's giving it to me a little bit here. They say, you are incorrect. Everybody wanted to see Randy or Rosarena play. Okay, like, I'm not on one side or the other. I'm trying to figure out how this happened. Yeah. So here's another problem is we all were really excited about Dylan Carlson, right? Mm-hmm. Going into the offseason and then coming into this year. Well, Dylan Carlson got a lot of that hype because of what he did last year in limited um, at-bats in AAA. Last year in AAA, Dylan Carlson hit 361. He had a 420 on base percentage, and he slugged. This was really impressive. 681. Add it all up, 1,100 OPS is what Dylan Carlson did last year in AAA. Randy A, for comparison's sake, hit 358, which basically the same as Dylan Carlson. He had a 435 on base percentage, better than Dylan Carlson, and a 593 slug. Add it all up, just over 1,000 OPS. Slightly worse than Dylan Carlson in AAA last year. The same signs that Dylan Carlson was going to be a really good major league player are the things that we saw from Randy Rosarena last year in AAA. And so I know there's a lot of Cardinals fans that are now looking at the playoffs and they're seeing all of these guys, right? Aledmus Diaz hit a homer yesterday. You've got Marcelo Zuna that's down in Atlanta just tearing the cover off of the ball. You got Luke Voigt out in New York who's playing well for them. And now you see Randy Rosarena having this breakout. It's like, well, how have the Cardinals been so bad at evaluating all of their talent? We'll get into this in the next segment, Jamie. I think Randy Rosarena is the one that you can really get after them about. Because Luke Voigt, he plays first base, and at the time, he didn't have a DH. That's Paul Goldschmidt's spot. Where were you going to play Luke Voigt? Realistically, you weren't going to. Also, there were no signs that he was going to become this. Maybe you could have said he could be a power hitter or whatever. There was nothing to suggest that this is going to be what he was. Marcelo Zuna, you had him for two years, and it didn't go the way that you were hoping. Nobody could have seen this coming for him this year down in Atlanta. And the context does matter. He's got a great lineup around him this season. The one that really, really stands out is the cost-controlled outfielder, young player, that does exactly what you needed at a position of need, and now he's out there in Tampa shredding the cover off of the ball while you are looking for that exact type of a player. This is the one that I do think it is fair to be critical of the Cardinals for, less so the other ones that we have seen in recent weeks. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's get into that a little bit. It's 11-12, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I think we're combining multiple arguments into one conversation, and I gotta be honest, it's irritating me a little bit. We'll talk about that coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals have a lot of great Boy Scouts. I would, I would give them money. I would, if they walked up to the door and say, "Hey, we're fundraising for this new. Uh, we're we're going to go have a camp out in, in San Diego to help with the fires." I'd be like, "Wow, here, let me write you a check." The Cardinals have a lot of nice kids. I would totally do that. Um, and they need to stop doing that. They need to have a couple guys on their team that have an edge to them. And they traded away a lot of guys with an edge. They just did. That's one of the frustrations, I think, that is very, very legitimate about the trade of Randy Rosarena to Tampa. Because when you look at it, it's really hard to understand what the rationale was behind the trade. You're very deep in starting pitching. We've all talked about this for, what, three, four years now? 
The Cardinals have all of the pitchers that you could possibly want, and they've stockpiled it, and they deserve credit for doing so. But when you're trading from your outfield, which is your your thinnest position, probably your weakest position on the roster and the trade nets you what you get in return is a really good prospect. Libertor is a top 50 prospect in baseball, so I'm not trying to knock what they got in return in terms of the quality of the player. But what you got is something that you already have. You could make two or three different rotations with the guys that the Cardinals currently have in their rotation. It's a surplus that we're talking about trading from this offseason to be able to get that big bat. So when you trade Randy Rosarena for another starter, it's one of those proposition, propositions where I'm sitting here, Jamie, and I'm like, I don't totally understand it unless there's more to the story than meets the eye. And that's where you get back to the video. From last year Oof. in the clubhouse where you've got Shilty giving the speech and a Rosarena is recording it. It's the only thing I can think of that would have led to his trade. It, are you guys with me on that? Like, it, unless I hear something otherwise, I feel like that had to be the moment where they were like, OK, we've got to move this guy. I'm hoping it's not that. But all all arrows point back to that as the as the. The tipping point in this, because why else would you do it? And quite honestly, that video, some may argue, some may disagree with me. I think that video helped the Cardinals. I think that it uh, it really made people enjoy Mike Schilt, that he's not just this timid guy that has come up through the clubhouse, grew up in you know the minor leagues. No, he's a guy that's here to kick ass and take names. And I think it was good for Cardinal Nation to see that. Now, do you really want to do that on purpose a lot? No, but it happened. It's a young guy. You talk to him. You say, hey, look, you know, and then maybe as a team, you follow up and say, no, no cell phones in the room from now on. Okay, guys, you know, we got away with that one or whatever. But you don't trade a guy. Not with this kind of talent. If this is the kind of talent we were looking at and you got rid of him over an Instagram video, that wasn't even inappropriate. Like if this was something worse, that's a no question. That is not the Cardinal way. But it's Mike Schild having a few cuss words. I don't know. I'm willing to overlook that. Jamie, you've been in those locker rooms before. You've seen speeches. Like, what was the be- one of the well, best moments of the Blues postseason that they released on their social their own- media account? <laughs> yeah. Was the pregame speech from Craig Berube? How many cuss words did he have in that? Like, it, uh, well, there was seven of, or several, sorry, of them. There's the one where he comes in post game after Carl Gunnarsson and him are peeing beside each other, and he's great. talking about that. Like, that, that was great. This is the inside look that the the sporting world, the fans, want to see. People drank that stuff up with Mike Schilt. They drank it up and loved it from Craig Berube. It's hard for me to believe that that's the sole reason that they got rid of a player like that. And if it is, and if it ever comes out, which you'll never find out the truth, shame on the Cardinals, and that's an embarrassing move if it is the truth. But for me, I still stick to the fact that they saw Randy A., they saw Tyler O'Neill, Lane Thomas, Harrison Bader, and they thought these guys are going to be more impactful on our roster than Randy A is. That to me is why Randy so A is playing for the Tampa the wrong door. I um, think so. Okay. And if you go if you go back through outfielders, they've had log jams of outfielders and they've kept players over other players. I mean, they've moved on from Oscar Mercado, who's having Cleveland Indian success. He, he not Randy this A, year. Not Randy A, but he, he's been better than the three outfielders you have. He was worse this year than Harrison Bader. Like His offensive numbers fell off of a cliff this year. He was terrible for them. So yeah. I, your point remains, right? They've yeah. gotten rid of a lot of really good, solid guys. Right. 
I don't think that any of the others, though, are at this level other than Tommy Pham. And Tommy Pham is the same conversation as Randy A in some ways. It's a different flashpoint, right? Tommy Pham is more of a he just didn't fit. He didn't fit in the clubhouse for the the, the same reasons that we just heard from Greg Amsinger. He is a different kind of cat from what you would typically expect in this Cardinals clubhouse. And as a result, he was shipped out of town. Is that, is that a fair assessment? I think so. I also think there was projection from the Cardinals of the injury history that Tommy Pham went through that they said at some point this guy's going to take a downward spiral. Now he hasn't, but remember this guy had sight problems. I forgot what the actual uh, problem that Tommy Pham suffered from, but it was something well, he was that- stabbed. Well, that was not with his eyes, but yes, he was stabbed. He's, I think they saw Tommy Pham as, okay, this guy's not going to be healthy five years from now, so we can't give him a long-term contract. But, I mean, for me, guys... Couldn't look, they have baby-stepped their way through that one, though? Yeah, but I don't think Tommy Pham wanted to. I think yeah, Tommy didn't Pham didn't the team wanted, have control? Yeah, Tommy Pham still doesn't have a long-term contract. Yeah. Like he's under arbitration. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. sometimes a player well, wants something, lot, and you're like, yeah, good. I think a lot plays into Tommy Pham, too, because I think it is also how he is not the Boy Scout, as Greg Amzinger called for. But for me, look at the evaluation of everyone. I mean, guys, Randall Gritchick, we, we expected to see, and they evaluated him wrong. Stephen Piscotti. I think he's exactly what we thought. What they, Who's that? Randall Gritchick. Like, Gritchick, he's exactly Piscotti. what we thought. But he's not exactly what the Cardinals thought. The Cardinals thought this was going to be a four-hole hitter for them. Oh, I, th- I thought you meant after they traded him. No, he- no, no. I mean evaluating the players that they have on their roster. They they looked at a Gritchick and a Piscotti as cornerstones, and that didn't work out. They view Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, Lane Thomas as cornerstones, and that hasn't worked out. And I think that's why we've seen Randy A. ship somewhere else, because they didn't see him as a cornerstone. So let me ask you guys this, okay? As we beat this around and, and, and we look at all the different angles, and all of them seem to make sense, in baseball, and I don't know this, I know hockey, but in baseball, do you have scouting staff that are in charge of defensive players, offensive players? I know there's a scouting staff in charge of pitchers, correct? I mean, you just have a scouting staff. But you have certain guys with specialty, right? No? Am I wrong there? Typically, it's more location than it is uh, by position. Location, then. So then would it be a team philosophy where they're like, hey, here's our list of must-haves, must be, you know, Good defensively, yes. gotta be, and and this yeah. is what we care about. And like offensively gifted would be like down the list. It's possible we have seen a little bit of a shift in philosophy from the Cardinals Defense in recent first. years, where uh, they've actually gone more power heavy. I mean, they, that kind of started whenever they drafted Nolan Gorman. Mm-hmm. He was kind of the guy that got them there first, and then we've seen more of that in the draft since then. That's why they traded for Tyler O'Neill too, because he was a power heavy guy in Seattle's minor league system. Well, then all roads lead back, guys, to the evaluation. To your point, for a couple of days now, heck. It might even get last week that you started on that. And you got to change then. If this is your team philosophy, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror. So can I argue the other side now? Because I actually have been a little frustrated by the way that the reaction has avalanched on John Mosellock here. Um, I went back through last night all of the trades that the Cardinals have made since 2011. I went through every single one of them. And I was like, okay, did the Cardinals have a big whiff here? Did they just clearly lose this trade? There were really only three that I feel like you look back and you're like, man, that was a bad decision. It has come back to haunt the Cardinals because Gritchick, 
he's basically what he was here. And st- same with Steven Piscotty. He's basically the same guy that he he's was. He's not here. even in the starting lineup for Oakland right Piscotty's now. Piscotty's got an asterisk beside it because that was a whole unique yeah. situation. There was sure. a, yeah, he signed a multi-year contract extension with the Cardinals. They moved him because of what took place with his mother. Because and, he asked to. And they, yes. John, John Mozeliak did him solid. Correct. And so the reason why I bring up those names is because they didn't they didn't lose those deals. Like no. They didn't get much back for Piscotty, but obviously, like you guys just said, there was other things there. And also, Piscotty wasn't going to be an everyday player for them anymore. He just he wasn't going to fit into their outfield. So I came up with three that I think, okay, it's absolutely fair to question these at the very least. It's the Randy A trade down to Tampa. It's Luke Voigt to New York, which we brought that up. And I I do think there are reasons to not blast them the way that some Cardinals fans have for that one. And then it's Tommy Pham to Tampa. It's those three. Those are the ones that really stand out like a sore thumb where it's like, okay, what happened here? Why did that move need to be made? Tommy Pham would be an upgrade over what they have right now in the outfield. Randy A would be an upgrade over what they have in the outfield. And Luke Foyt would help this lineup today. Luke Foyt has weird splits. This year on the road, on the road is a 225 hitter. At home, a 320 hitter. He fits that ballpark perfectly. It was really hard to predict that he was going to become this, where he leads the American League in home runs this year. I'm going to give a little bit of slack to Mo on that one. And you got a closer out of it in Giovanni Gallegos. That's a good point. Tommy Pham was never going to fit here. As much as I wanted him to, Tommy Pham is one of my favorite players in baseball. It was never going to work here because of what we just heard from Gay Gamesinger. He just didn't fit philosophically. I think we're having a conversation about one player and trying to expand it to more. We're trying to make it something bigger than it actually is. And so really it comes down to what happened with Randy Rosarena. Why did this team give up on him when it didn't seem like they really needed to? And then it comes back to what do they see in Matthew Libertor? Like, do they think he's going to be a superstar at the front end of this starting staff? Did they feel the need to have another star pitcher? That's that's where I'm just I'm at a loss right now. I would love to talk to Mo about this. What happened here? What why? Why did they decide to go this route? Because when we're watching him down in Tampa, guys, I'm at a loss for words on how this team missed so badly on him. I don't think it's a bigger picture thing. You can talk about the Fernando Tatis Jr. and all of these um, guys that are coming from international markets that they missed out on. And I'm willing to have that conversation. But I think that's different than the trades that they're making. And they have clearly missed on this one. While I don't think it's fair to bring in the other conversations about other players they've traded, because I don't think they missed on those as much. Yeah, and I think at least from what I understand with frustration of Cardinals fans, it, 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 yes, it's the trade side, but I think it more is the evaluation of the actual player side. Like, fans are frustrated because they're told Randall Gritchick is going to be a cornerstone and Stephen Piscotty is going to be a cornerstone and, um, and, and Tyler O'Neill and they're not panning out to be what the Cardinals are saying they're panning out to be. So while I understand the trade frustration, because I see that too, where people are like, oh, well, you traded this guy away. It's unbelievable. You had a couple of trades that were bad. Now, if you go to the pitching side, you know, Zach Gallon hurts a little bit, but you got Paul Goldschmidt and you have all of these pitchers in your system. So the pitching side doesn't frustrate me as much as the offense. Somebody also brings up Sandy Alcantara. OK, but you 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 traded for the guy right. that you thought was going to be the answer in your lineup in Marcelo Zuna. And you made that big deal that you had to make that everybody was asking for. But at least from my perspective, the frustration comes in of, OK, well, you have all of these players in your minor league system and you're telling us that these guys are going to be Cardinals everyday players for us and and help for the offense. But then the ones you're sticking with aren't panning out to be something. And the ones that are going elsewhere are turning out to be something. And I think that's where the frustration comes in for people. So let me ask you this guys, as we sit here and we dissect this and we come to put a bow on it a little bit, at least for today, 
The only thing that the Cardinals have really screwed up on is Randy A. That's where I'm at. And are we really not willing to overlook that? I'm willing like to. Like I'm just saying, right? Like, think about a GM and a president of baseball. All the deals and the signings and the stuff that he's had to do. And you missed the fastball one time. You swing and miss the fastball. Are you really cut from the team? That's where I'm at. I, I think we're giving Mo a little bit too much criticism compared to what he actually did here. He missed on a trade. He, he was wrong. Also, Matthew Lee, we don't even know awesome. if he's wrong, right? I think he's wrong because of what you gave up and what you got in return in terms of position. Fair enough, yeah. You got something that's probably not going to help you for another two years at the minimum, and it is at the position where you are clearly the strongest. It is the strong suit of the Cardinals organization is their starting rotation right now, and that's what they got in return. And they traded a guy that plays the position where this offseason we're looking for exactly him. We're looking for the cost-controlled outfielder that can come in and upgrade the lineup. Randy Rosarena could come in and be the two-hole hitter for this team tomorrow, and he would upgrade them both in the outfield and in the lineup, and that's what's so frustrating is you lost that guy without getting anything in return that's helping you right but now. But I think the swing and misses are evaluating of the players that they have. Even and the ones they currently kept, Even right? the ones that they've kept and they're sticking with and they are hoping pan out to be something Whereas they're not willing to say and accept this guy's not what we thought he was. We need to go get something else. That happens everywhere, though, man. Like, think think about it from the Blues perspective, right, Jamie? They're always hyping up these young guys. They always get excited about them. They're going to tell you how great they are and how yeah, much they're going to But Doug Armstrong's not everything. afraid to pull the trigger on a guy. Like, if he says, hey, this is, I mean, look, Lars Eller at the time. Now, it didn't pan out because Halak wasn't the, well, what they Halak wanted. Halak gave you some really solid goaltending for a good number of years. But they saw Lars Eller and they said he's not what we wanted him to be. Pull the trigger. Tage Thompson, he's not what we wanted him to be. That was only two years of Tage Thompson. Not what we wanted him to be. Pull the trigger. Didn't the, didn't the Cardinals do that with Randall Gritchick? They did that with Stephen Piscotty. I mean, they, they've done a lot of they've that as well. They've definitely done it. But I think that I think in a whole, at least from what I see, is the evaluation of what they have is not turning out to be what they're telling fans that they're going to be. You know what I hear? I don't want to be GM of the Cardinals. Amen to that. <laughs> Certainly get into more of this as we go along today. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Questions and answers coming up in 15 minutes. But coming up next, Joey Vitale is going to join us about 24 hours in advance of the official opening of free agency. What can we expect at this point from Petro? Joey Vitale is going to tell us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by our guy, Joey Vitale, blues analyst for 101 ESPN. Joey, always appreciate the time, man. Let's start with this. We are roughly 24 hours from the start of free agency. You told us a couple of weeks ago, hey, chill out, relax. Just wait until we officially get to free agency. Don't worry about any of the nonsense that's happening elsewhere. Well, we're almost there, Joey. Uh, am I allowed to start freaking out yet about Petro? Uh, forget what I said. Red alert. Red alert. Panic button. Beep, 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 beep. I never saw the hunt for Red October, but I feel like it was a scene where the submarines were colliding or missiles were coming. Yes, it is time to hit the panic button, folks. Really? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Listen. <laughs> you know, I, I listen, I'm not as confident as I was a couple weeks ago. Uh, truthfully, I, I'm actually kind of trending the opposite way. Uh, not, the, not the way that I think a lot of Blues fans would want it now. Now something miraculous may happen. Uh, I this is just my gut 
from the people on maybe let's call it the second to third layer outside of Petro. I have not spoken directly to Petro about anything. So, again, this is just my gut feeling from the information that I, that I have. And to me, guys, uh, it would be more surprising to see Petro sign before tomorrow than not sign. Um, there, there, there's too much goodness, I think, out there on the open market right right now that's very attractive to him. Um, you know, someone made the argument the other day, well, he won a Stanley Cup here. Doesn't that, doesn't that make him want to stay more? I, I would actually argue the opposite. I actually think the fact that he already won here, he's, he, came, he, he, he came here to do a job, and he's done that job, right? And now I think that uh, with everything that's kind of happened, uh, it, it actually sounds like a, a great opportunity for him to move on. Uh, and to get the money, I think he absolutely 100% deserves it. Maybe possibly Doug Armstrong just cannot afford or be willing to go to at this point um, with free agency and the fact that the cap's all staying the same. So uh, I am a little nervous. Keep an eye on Las Vegas. That, that, to me, is a team that would be the team to grab him if, if things do not get settled here uh, in the next you know, X amount of hours because there's a team that you look at Marc-Andre Fleury's contract, big, big, big contract, that they're going to free up here. Uh, that they're, they can free up now the fact that they signed Robin Leonard as their starting goaltender, so that's a lot of dough they can kind of release right there if you release Marc-Andre Fleury as the backup. And then that kind of slides in. They can readjust a couple more things in Vegas. Um, it's a great place to live. Uh, the taxes are fantastic. Uh, it's great for families. And not to mention, uh, Petro's going to want to go to a team that's going to want to win. I mean, you don't want to go, uh, let's say, to Ottawa Senators, even if you're making $10 million a year. No one wants to go to a place where you're going to lose for three or four years. Uh, Vegas, to me, makes a lot of sense. They're a great team. It's a great quality of life. And uh, the money's right. Uh, look for that team if the Blues don't get it done. All right, Joey. So you talk about Vegas. You talk about even the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are still in the rumors for Alex Petrangelo, which, let's be honest, it makes sense because of all the ties to that city. The Vegas team makes sense because they're in a win-now mentality and they're missing a number one right-handed shot defenseman to help them get there. Both of those teams are currently in salary cap hell. The Vegas Golden Knights are about $5 million over the cap right now, and the Maple Leafs are literally headbutting the cap in the face <laughs> as we speak. But both of those teams are ready to find a way to make it work. What would be stopping the Blues from doing the same thing? Like, at the end of this whole story, when all is said and done, if Petro hypothetically goes to a Vegas Golden Knights and they win a cup or two, and he's successful over the first five or six years of the contract, how will it be looked back upon in the future here in St. Louis Blues history not signing him? You know, you know Jamie, I think it's a, good, it's a really good point. It's a good question. I think it really just comes down to the history and what, and what has already happened. And can either side or maybe Petro's side be willing to move on from that? You know, it's like you have a great little fling in high school. Let's call her, let's call her Monica, right? And she was I a street girl. You guys had a, yeah, yeah, had a great time, right? Uh, you hit, hit the movies, hit the drive-ins, you know, the milkshakes, the giant rockets, the whole bit, right? But then something starts going sour. She starts giving attitude. She starts running around. Then, then it keeps building and more and more history. And then, you know, two, three years later, you guys just can't work it out. And then all your buddies down the street are like, man, why can't you work it out with Monica? She's a smoke show. She's a rocket. She seems like a great personality. She can cook uh, like Emerald Lagasse. And you're just like, dude, Bam. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, there's just there's, there's too much history there that I, don't, I just don't know if we can move past it. And so, so for the outsiders, it doesn't make sense, right? Two perfect people. Jamie, I'm talking about you because you're a perfect guy and Monica, a perfect girl. But for Jamie and Monica, there's just too much history. It just, they weren't compatible. It just did not work. So to answer your question, 
I think if it doesn't get done and people ask the reason why, if, it, if it, from what I understand, it would be Petro's side and Petro personally feeling as if there was just too much bad history, bad blood about how this thing didn't get done last summer after they won the cup, or maybe it didn't get done in the fall, how both sides couldn't agree on a number, maybe some disrespect about a number thrown Petro's way. Whatever you want to call it, the relationship between Petro's agent and Petro and, and the head head administrator here at the Blues with Doug Armstrong leading the way, to me it's just the history of that relationship that has kind of been um, toiled where I don't know if, if, if it could get repaired. To me, that would be the reason why it couldn't get done, and then maybe Petro in, in that way is looking for a fresh start. So, Joey, I guess it's pessimistic Thursday here on the show. Uh, let's continue down this path. If they are not able to retain Alex Petrangelo, then what? What do we then look for the Blues to do? It's a panic button. I already said it. Didn't we start out with the panic button? The red alert, red alert. No, listen, listen. It's not panic button. It's not red alert. Uh, listen, guys, uh, as good as Petro is, uh, there's not a team in this league that I think could perform still without a big-time player. Uh, look, look what the Blues did without Vladimir Tarasenko last year. Uh, this, this is a team. And this is a team that is, is run by a coach that believes in the team and, and is guys that, that will run through walls uh, for this coach. I mean, th- this is why they drafted some of the guys they drafted yesterday. Uh, look, look at the line of guys that they drafted. They, they drafted guys that play big, they play heavy, and they're willing to go through brick walls. I mean, Jake Neighbors has got a great reputation uh, for that. Uh, not overly sized, overly big, but he, he is as strong as a rock. You look at Dylan Peterson and they're around there. I mean, six foot four, one absolute mammoth. Noah Beck, I think a seventh round late sleeper, six foot three, plays a heavy game. When you have players like Sammy Blay and Braden Shen, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, when you have players that are willing to play that hard style, that disciplined game, that team game, I don't care if you got Wayne Gretzky on, on your team. It doesn't matter because when you're playing that team style, you're going to be okay. The Blues proved it this year with Vladimir Tarasenko. Whenever we were doubting this team about players and personnel and, and, and rough passions in the season, they continued to surprise us, and they did it because they played as a team. So to answer your question, are they going to hurt? Absolutely. Alex Petrangelo is a dime a dozen. He, he is a very rare player. Uh, there's not a lot of players that can play as consistently as him that make hardly any mistakes on every single game. As aggressive as he is, he still gets back in a hurry, which is absolutely mind-boggling how he does it. So he's one of the best defensive in the league. Are you going to hurt? Yes, but it's also a great opportunity for a guy like Colton Pareko, who I believe has not even touched his potential yet. I thought he had some great spurts for the last couple of years, but this is going to give him a fantastic opportunity to go in there and command number one spot, and I think he can do that. He can stay healthy. He's got big legs. He can move his feet. He can play physical. He can play the power play. It's going to take some tweaking, but I think it could be a great opportunity for Colton Pareko, and at the end of the day, uh, I think the Blues will be okay. Will they be a top-tier team? Will they finish top in the West next three years? Probably not, but they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to compete, and we know when that puck drops in the first game of the playoffs, around one. Hey, listen, guys, it's anyone's game. You get good goaltending, you play tight, you play as a team, and it really could, the cup can be awarded to any team like that. So it will hurt, but I do believe that the Blues uh, have that personnel and the staff and personnel in that locker room to overcome it, and not only overcome it, but excel through it. Well, Joey, we're certainly going to be looking forward to hopefully seeing Alex Petrangelo back in the note. I've got my fingers crossed. I don't know about you, and we should find out more tomorrow or over the weekend, uh, hopefully. We always appreciate the time, my man. We look forward to talking with you again next week. Enjoy yourself over this weekend, man. 
BK, Riz, thanks so much, guys. You guys have a great week. Absolutely. Same to you. That is Joey Vitale joining us here on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I'm not feeling particularly optimistic. <laughs> Joey just ruined my weekend. Well, guys, let's be honest here. It got to this point. We're 24 hours away, or sorry, 24 hours and 15 minutes away from free agency. I wasn't having a good feel. Driving in here today, I thought about it. I was not having a good feel. This has gone too long, and Joey made a great point, and his little story to parallel it was hilarious, by the way, which great work on that, Joey. (laughs) But it's right. There's been a lot of damage now, and can you park it? and just muscle through it. I don't know. And it depends which side is is more irritated with the other at this point. I don't know. I am not optimistic, although I'm not ready to close the door on it because I've seen stranger things happen. I was about to say, the 11th hour is always what we hear about, right? There is a deadline here. It's not a true deadline, but it is a deadline of sorts. Oh, of it's a tomorrow. deadline. It's a deadline you because think? the suitors are lined up ready, right? They're, they're lined up around the blocks. Like when playoff tickets go on sale or a, a huge rock concert and you see the lineup down the sidewalk, like they're not allowed to buy tickets just yet. But you know when you open that window, they're going to buy the tickets. Here's how I see it. If we get news that Petro has not signed with another team at the end of Friday, I think there's a better chance that he could be back in St. Louis. But if it's hot talk right now, he's signing a deal with the so-and-so team. As soon as the talks pick up with other teams is when it's done for. But if you can get through Friday and he hasn't signed with, say, Vegas, Florida, Toronto, there's a better chance that St. Louis can still get him. And this will also depend on how angry or hurt he is in this process or irritated. Let's just use that word, irritated, because if he's not and he's really wrapping his brain around just a business decision, maybe he steps back for a weekend. He gets a couple of great offers, and he waits and says, you know what, let me process this. Let me try to digest it all. But if, it, if he's truly irritated and hurt by the process, 12 o'clock, 12, 15, that deal's done. Yeah, because it's, it's rare a player like that is not signed the day of free agency opening up. Like, think back. Paul Stastny had a contract immediately with the St. Louis Blues and free agency opened up. Guys, when free agency opened up once for me, okay, the Detroit Red Wings, it opened up at noon. By 1230, I was the Detroit Red Wing because they wanted to address a depth defenseman with experience. You don't think that phone is locked and loaded for Alex Petrangelo? And let's be honest. Like, we all know how the tampering works, too, right? Like, he, his agent, maybe it hasn't gotten to Petrangelo yet, but... His agent wouldn't be doing his job, frankly, if he didn't at least have an idea of what's potentially out there, which teams would be interested and maybe what the money would look like if if he were to officially get to the market. So that's got to be something out there as well. Well, they cover that up really sweet, too, because, you know, these agents have players on those current teams. Right. So what they do is they follow up looking a look ahead into next year to the GM. Hey, my player X, you know, oh, by the way, just so you know, things aren't going all that great. Yeah, is, there's yeah. conversations where you can slip it in, right? It doesn't have to be documented, and you suddenly end up having a conversation about another player that might not be on that team currently that maybe is going to hit free agency 24 hours later. So I, I'm not optimistic at this point, but hopefully maybe we get a report tonight. Hey, Petro is going to Enterprise, and they're going to be talking with Doug Armstrong. I'm not expecting it at this point, but I'm hoping for it nonetheless. I'm going to set my notifications, though. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers is coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Service 
time for questions and answers. Jamie, let's recap the draft really quickly because yesterday we saw the finale of the NHL draft. And I know you were very excited because St. Louis was once again represented. And I'm not talking about the Blues, but a St. Louis kid went in the seventh round of the draft last night. How about that? The yeah, uh, young Chase Bradley uh, grew up in town playing for the uh, AAA Blues here locally, then went on to currently play for Sioux City Musketeers uh, in the USHL. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Seventh round pick to the Detroit Red Wings. He's a heck of a player. Good hockey family, too. He's got uh, brothers that also play at a high, a high level. Another brother plays in the USHL um, with Omaha and a younger brother playing here for local AAA Blues. So hockey's running through their veins. And also another one, not a St. Louis kid, but he came here about three, four years ago. Jacob Dovis, a young goaltender. We're adopting him. We, we, we have adopted him. He, he he lived here for a few years, played for the AAA Blues locally. Now he's in Omaha and USHL. He also got picked up in the draft yesterday, and he's a heck of a goalie. He's going to be really, it's going to be something to watch him develop because he's got a lot of talent. Heck, he scored a goal playing midget hockey. As a goalie? As a goalie. So Next Marty Brodeur. Got a lot of upside to him. Chase Bradley, the pride of Oakville. Pride so of Oakville, yeah. I believe that's two Oakville in the NHL and only one Eureka, Missouri. Take that, Cam Jansen. Wow. 65780 no is six the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Guys, do you think Doug Armstrong already has somebody lined up so that if Petro is scooped up immediately, he could turn around and then make a deal elsewhere? No. No, the answer is no at this point because he's still going to be strapped with the cap. You still have Vince Dunn that you have to get finished up as far as solidifying his contract. And right now they have $5 million. If Vince Dunn takes two and a half to three, let's say, what do you get, $2 million left? Who are you going to get that's a difference maker on D for that? You might as well go take a stab at uh, a forward like Anthony Sioux from Edmonton became available. Anthony Duclair, yep. 22 or 23 goal scorer last year. That's where I'm at. Yeah, he's available now. Ottawa didn't qualify him, which is a whole other story because because he represented himself in the negotiations. Yeah. Talk about like doing yourself a disservice, but you could get one of those guys for a million and a half to two million, and now you've maybe supplemented I your like score. Duclair. Is, is Duclair a restricted free agent? He not now. No, so they bought him. So basically no, he's they a free just agent. Didn't qualify they didn't qualify him. Him. And so he was Vince Dunn, but didn't get qualified. qualified. Yeah. Basically. And he's a super fast scoring winger. Now defensively he's got room to grow, but Craig Berube, mm-hmm. I think, with a stern foot in the and you know Steve where. Ott. <laughs> you know, could help that. And Anth- uh, Andreas Anthonisiu, too. Yeah. This guy has possibly, next to Connor McDavid, some of the fastest breakaway yeah. speed in the league. This uh, Duclair kid, what are, what are we talking about salary-wise? Two, Is he going to cost? Mil. Two, probably you could get him for two because of the way the market's going to work. He, I think he wanted like upwards of like three and a half or four, but Ottawa was like, whoa, first of all, you're representing yourself and you don't know what you're talking about right now because of where everything is headed. Here's what's going to happen. If you don't go Petro, you're going offense. You're switching the identity to, all right, we got to be an offensive team now. Yeah. When Tarasenko comes back, you got another weapon. Is that Barubi's mindset though? I don't know if it's going to be. Uh, you just got to be a heavy team. You got to be heavy team, but you also have to have speed because that's what hurts you in that Vancouver series. And Joey has mentioned it. You've mentioned it. I've mentioned it. Duclair is a perfect fit for the St. Louis Blues. Now, where he's not a perfect fit in the text lines. Like, oh, my God. Oh my God. Okay, I get it, guys. Calm down. Breathe. Two, three. Okay, six, five, seven, Usa. eight. Oh, the Air Comfort Service text line. You guys are correct. Anthony Duclair is a massive defensive liability, but he's also never really had a coach hold his hand to the fire 
there on that one. Yeah, look at Ottawa, the coaches. Ottawa's just like, we don't care. Just score goals because we have no hope unless you score. Columbus, go score goals. Do what you want. Tort- Chicago. Tort- Tortorella didn't Arizona. like him. Arizona. Tortorella didn't like him yeah. at all. That's and why so he was traded. Like, he just got rid of him. Yeah. So this is a kid who... Um, who made the All-Star game last year. $1.65 million last year for this kid, uh, which means you could get him in the $2 million range, probably. My concern, Jamie, would be this sounds a lot like Kairou. Like, the scouting report on him sounds Not really, like though, Kairou. because he's got 20-plus goals yeah, already he's in, the been in the NHL. He's made the All-Star game in the NHL. You can fix defensive struggles. You can't fix offensive struggles. If you okay. don't know how to score goals, you can't fix that. You can fix being a bad defender. The reason why I say that is just because Kairou was in and out and in in and out and it was because of the defensive issues that he was in and out of the lineup at least that's what yeah. was said publicly and so if this guy is a defensive liability i i would just worry that it wouldn't be a great fit with Baru. but he's an nhl caliber defensive yeah, liability. you're hoping that Cairo becomes a duclair in the next year or two yeah. where he's scoring 20 plus goals yeah. and then you're still hopefully at that point you're managing his defense along the way so that he doesn't get to this point where he's a right. free agent at that age and the other name too which i know we've said it's going to be a little more difficult because now he's expressed interest in Philadelphia. But don't rule out Bobby Ryan, guys. I think that's still enough. He apparently up has a massive market. Like, everybody's oh, yeah. interested in Bobby he's Ryan. He's a former 40-goal scorer. Why wouldn't he? And he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, also, to Jankowski yep. in Calgary. It's another kid that did not get big qualified. Guy big guy. He would totally fit Craig Berube's style. Probably really happy to accept a lower-end deal just to stay in the NHL. Yeah, no, no defenseman in my eyes, no Petro, means you're going to see a couple of forwards signed by the Blues to try and upgrade the offense. Speaking of forwards that the Blues could sign that I would like to see here in St. Louis, let's go back out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line in the next segment, Jamie, to be joined by the hometown hero, a back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. He's the one and only Pat Maroon, the big rig, and he's going to join us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Blues have the puck. Thomas off the wall. Shoots, and it's in. They score! It's the St. Louisan, Pat Maroon. Bring out the Zamboni. Pat Maroon just puts the city on his shoulders, and he saves them to the conference finals. I'm a hometown hero, baby! on the far side, Yanni Gord needing a clear here, and he provides it. Down ice, Pat Maroon skating after it, looking at that open net. Score! Maroon! I'm the big ring. I'm back to back. Joined right now on the Brown and Celeb- our Brown and Crouppen celebrity line by the biggest celebrity right now in St. Louis, the big rig Pat Maroon. Patty, how you doing, brother? Good. How are you, boys? I'm good, man. I just listened to that. I get chills doing it. But yeah, you're the big rig and you're back to back. How's that feel? Uh, I don't think it's going to settle in until you know I retire someday. And I look back on my career, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to be on so many good teams and in my career so i mean it's pretty surreal and i've been like i said i've just been fortunate enough to be with such good teammates the last two years that that had one goal and that was to win so i mean it's amazing i've been fortunate now okay rig there's a story that's been circulating out there all right that when you left to go to the bubble that your fiance said what exactly did she tell you when you were leaving uh-huh. Don't come home unless you have the Stanley Cup. Is that like the 
There you go, right? So already you checked one of the boxes. You're already a good fiance. You brought the cup back. Now, winning it in the bubble, like that's got to be a lot different. Obviously, winning it in Boston is a whole other atmosphere. And not that it takes away from it, but I think people are curious to know, like, what's it feel like to win it in the bubble and then the celebration a little more unique after? You know, how, how did that work out for you? Yeah, I mean, I won and so and two unique ways you know obviously first Stanley Cup back in St. Louis and then we won it in a bubble during a pandemic where you know it's people are struggling people are dying and NHL did an amazing job to put that on and um you know it was it was tough in the beginning getting to that hotel wondering what the heck are we going to do but we had one goal is to win and you know what the celebration on the ice was great because it was just you and your teammates there were some family members there, like parents, and uh, so we got to celebrate in the locker room together as a team. Usually, there's a lot of people there. Usually, you know, media can't get in there or camera crews, and I thought that was pretty unique that they got a full witness of like how close we really were, and you know how excited guys really were to win that Stanley Cup, and it was pretty special. Talking to Pat Maroon here on 101 ESPN. Pat, I got to ask about the celebration because obviously last year it was unbelievably memorable with the parade here in St. Louis. And it was different down in Tampa Bay because, you know, there's a pandemic going on, but it was memorable nonetheless. What was this year's celebration like for you? I thought it was amazing. I thought uh, with the boat parade, it was freaking awesome. I thought uh, Tampa Bay did an amazing job putting that on. I never thought I would be celebrating a cup on a boat, you know, in Tampa Bay, but I thought it was great. The people lined up on the side and boats going over to them, throwing them beers and making them feel like they were a part of it. Uh, and then going to Raymond James Stadium. I mean, it was great. We thought there was going to be nobody there, but uh, they opened up 100% capacity literally the day of game six. So uh, hoping that we'd win. So uh, I think everyone was there and it, it was still special. I mean, we made it fun. Uh, I don't think COVID existed when we were drinking beer. <laughs> so, um, I just hope everyone's safe and everyone's good that no one got sick out of that parade. Uh, knock on wood. But, uh, you know, they did an amazing job. And the boys got to celebrate and be themselves and get to show a different side of them. You know how that is. People have a few cocktails and they get to show different sides that the fans really don't get to see. And I thought they did a good job of that. All right, Patty. So the big question here is just how sick are the Dallas Stars of watching you beat them at this point? <laughs> I would say they're sick of me. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, you know, I just when I go into a playoff series, I always look into the teams I've always beat. You know, in the playoffs and with when I was back in Anaheim and uh, you know in Edmonton. You know, I just look at those teams that I beat, and I just always have a gut feeling. You know, like in St. Louis, I had a gut feeling that, you know, I beat Winnipeg before, I beat San Jose before, uh, you know, I beat Dallas before in the playoffs, and I just always knew, like, you know, I had a feeling that we were going to beat these guys just because of my intuition, and uh, I think they're going to be sick of me. I'm sure they're sick of me listening to the interviews saying <laughs> that I beat them all the time, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm fortunate enough to play those guys, and uh, I match up well against them. They play like a big style play. They get me engaged, so, you know, I have a little bit of success against them. 
All right, so Rig, last year we talked about you know being a young guy growing up in St. Louis, and you won the Cup in St. Louis with the Blues. An incredible feeling. Now, let's go back again. You're a young guy playing junior hockey here in St. Louis. Kelly Chase is part of the ownership of the team, and there's a guy called John Cooper, who's uh, one of your coaches. And now John Cooper, fast forward, is sitting there with you on the ice, and you guys make eye contact, and he literally jumps into your arms. You got describe that feeling for both of you guys. One, you being able to help provide him with a Stanley Cup, which, by the way, for our listeners who don't know, John Cooper has won every single championship on the way up. NAHL, USHL, AHL, and now NHL. And, Patty, you're one of the guys who helped him get that. How did that feel? I mean, it was amazing. He deserves it. Everyone knows what a good guy Cooper is and what a good coach he is. It's just uh, he couldn't get over that hump, you know, Tom. You know, he made the conference finals four out of the six years, um, two Stanley Cup appearances, and he finally got that Stanley Cup. And he does an amazing job with his players, and he's got that swagger that's contagious to his his players where they feel confident going out on the ice every single night. And uh, me hugging him, it was truly amazing. I know I had my Stanley Cup, but, when you, you know, Riz, when you step foot in that NHL, you want to win as many as you can and accomplish so many things throughout your career. And... I thought it was amazing, you know, he was tearing up a little bit and to win with him again, you know, we were eighteen I was eighteen years old and he was just a guy trying to make it just like myself and we ended up making the NHL together and then winning the Stanley Cup together. So it was truly remarkable. I'm so proud of Coop. He deserves it. And um, you know, we just now we have history together going back for years. All right, again, we're talking with Pat Maroon, uh, former St. Louis Blues player, current Tampa Bay Lightning player, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. Big Rig, I want to talk to you about a couple of guys that are near and dear to my heart. And Zach Bogosian, a gritty old goat on the right side on defense. I was thrilled to see him get a championship. And also another guy real familiar here locally is Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah, uh, just a fantastic, two fantastic guys. What was it like winning it with those two, knowing full well that Zach Bogosian, look, the end of the road is getting closer than it is farther for that guy in his career, and Kevin Shattenkirk, who's such a great guy as well. No, it's it's just to see Shatty have some tears after hugging him, and he deserves it. You know, he had so many good runs in St. Louis with that team, and he finally got over the hump and get that Stanley Cup, and uh, I'm just so happy for him. I know. Uh, St. Louis is proud of him because they were cheering him on just as much as, you know, me. So I'm glad he got to be there. You know, obviously him not being in St. Louis last year while we hosted the cup, he got his opportunity to hoist it this year. And he wanted to go to a winning team and, and try to win. And he did. He took less money. He played his butt off and he played amazing. And with Bogosian, you know, it was like you said, it was, he put, gets placed on waivers. Uh, he doesn't go his contract gets terminated and you know teams are knocking his door to sign him and he goes to tampa bay he makes his mark again that he's a good player solid player can play up and down your lineup and he did an amazing job and i'm proud of him also pat last year you were able to go to charlie gito's you end up going over to the lake with the cup on your day with the cup do you have any plans set up yet as to what you're going to do this time around i know i kind of like with the celebration it's a little different now than it was a year ago but do you have your plans for it i'll probably just hang around with it this year i mean last year was pretty stressful uh it's like planning a wedding Uh, (laughs) you know trying to Trying to get everyone involved. You know, if anything, I'll try to take it back to my hometown in Oakville. I think I deserve it to them. I didn't bring it there last year, so uh, I'm going to try. You know, with COVID, everything going on, I, I mean, it's pretty hard. Um, 
to do that. So, you know, I'm going to try whatever, you know, if it even comes to St. Louis, I'll, I'll try whatever to make St. Louis be a part of it. But I think this year around, I'm going to spend it with family and friends and just hang around with it at the house or something or find a local bar and, you know, clean it out, just us and just hang out. So I think, um, last year was good. It was stressful, but you know, this time around will be a lot different. Last question that I've got for you, Pat free agency officially opens up tomorrow. And I'm not going to ask you to speculate on where you're going to go or anything like that, but is the team that you're going to go to, can we just all uh, already write and pin that that's going to be the team that wins <laughs> the, the cup rings. next year? <laughs> What's that? Can, oh. we just, can we just assume that whoever you sign with tomorrow or wherever it is over the next week or two, that that's going to be the team that hoists this cup again next year? I sure hope so. I mean, uh, I know um, I want to win as many as I can before I retire until the NHL kicks me out, until every GM says this guy can't play anymore. So, um that's the goal. You know, I don't know what's going on in free agency. You know, I got a lot of interest. So uh, that's my agent's job. So wherever I go, I'm going to be happy no matter what. Obviously, I'd like to stay in Tampa. Um, but we will see what happens. So uh, I'm certainly excited for it. I got a lot of buzz going. So uh, uh, we're going to look forward to it. Well, buddy, we've got a lot of buzz going for you, too, here, okay? And we're really, really proud of you, really happy for you. Couldn't happen to a better guy, and just love the way you play, love what you bring to the teams, man. And uh, St. Louis is proud of you, but we are, too. So I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing some time. Now, if you could do me a favor and go start crushing beers, I'd like to live vicariously (laughs) through you for a while, okay? (laughs) Thanks, boys. I appreciate it, and I will make sure I do my best for that. You're the best. It's Pat Maroon joining us here on 101 E. ESPN back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, former Blues forward, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champion as well. Just an unbelievable 18 months or so for Pat Maroon. Jamie, I know I know it's unlikely, but allow me to continue to dream a little bit. God, it would be awesome to see him back here in St. Louis. I know it's unlikely. I know. But again, let me dream just the way that I do with Francisco Lindor, the way that I do with Nolan Arenado for the Cardinals. You have to allow me to have this. This is all I ask for. Just let me to dream until it's officially put to rest. And, you know, he's got a lot of. Apparently a lot of offers out there, a lot of interest. So that, that makes it even more difficult. But I'm dreaming nonetheless. Yeah, look, it's not crazy. Okay? Uh, and if it was, I'd tell you you're crazy. It's not crazy. You know, Doug Armstrong's going to have very little salary cap space and we talked about Duclair and Anthony Cu and maybe Bobby Ryan. Well, Pat Maroon comes in even lower than that probably, okay? Even though he's won back-to-back Stanley Cups, he's pretty honest with himself. He wants to keep going, wants to keep playing, and he wants to go to a team that can contend. You just heard him. I want to keep winning Stanley Cups. So is St. Louis that destination? I don't know. I mean, it also depends on the Alex Petrangelo situation as well. So uh, things will work out, but you're not crazy for thinking that and suggesting it. Uh, But I do think there are people, again, much like we talked about Alex Petrangelo, the rock concert may not be as big and the line may not be as long to buy tickets, but you do have a lineup for Pat Maroon. Every team that is on the cusp of winning a Stanley Cup is going to be calling Pat Maroon's agent and saying, Pat, what are your thoughts of so-and-so destination? And if you're Doug Armstrong, you're crazy not to do that because you can have as much offensive talent and defensive talent as you want, but you know what you can't replicate? locker room presence and a guy who everyone wants to fight for and that was Pat Maroon and I think that's why he said there are so many people interested in him because I remember being in that locker room on the run with the Blues and every time it was centered around Patty everyone was having Mm -hmm. a good time 
Everyone well, should be interested in him. If Dal, if Jim Nill and Dallas Stars, honestly, all jokes aside here, okay? <laughs> yes. If I'm Jim Nill and I'm sitting in that room, I'm going, you know what? I'm going to make a phone call to Pat Maroon's representatives because we are a big, heavy team. We do play a lot like the Blues played yeah. last year. We got really close. And what were we missing ultimately? Maybe another big man who could finish in front of the net. Maybe that guy who agitates the other team. Maybe that that guy who brings players together. Let's give this guy a call because I'm tired of losing to him. Six. I, sorry, I was saying I was I was listening to the the Spit and Chicklets podcast that he was on, and he talked about how every time he plays in these games, he's always skating by benches, and somebody's calling him fat or somebody's Patty, saying yeah. you're too big, you can't skate. But every time, I think that lights something underneath Pat Maroon, and that's why Dallas has done it twice, and they've had the same outcome. Well, one guy almost ate a puck for it too in game <laughs> game one or game two. He fired him in the bench. It was buzzing the tower for you there. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. It is twelve. 17 your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler there is another veteran goalie that is about to hit the open market could be somebody that I think maybe the Blues should have some interest in better to forget it the Blues are going to sign one of these veteran free agent goalies we'll do better to forget it coming up next on 101 ESPN we're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN ESPN is the Air Comfort Service tax line for bet it or forget it. Some news coming out of Chicago right now that we can use as a bet it or forget it. Jamie, Corey Crawford is officially not going to be back with the Chicago Blackhawks. They have decided to let him enter free agency. Now he's 36 years old. He has not been the same player that he once was, but has still been a quality goaltender nonetheless. Jamie, bet it or forget it. Whether it be Corey Crawford or Henrik Lundqvist, one of these guys, we know it is an incredible market this year for veteran goaltenders. Bet it or forget it. The Blues will sign a veteran goalie this offseason to add into the mix behind Jordan Bennington. Again, it's how the dominoes fall, right? Which domino goes what way? And if they sign, if for some reason they're able to pull this Petro deal together, it'll be status quo on the goaltending front. If not, then, yeah, would they kick the tires? I don't see our me as a guy that likes to not waste money, but you got a guy in 750,000 one way next year in Huso. Army's probably not going to want to bury that in the minors and bring in a veteran goalie. However, for the right guy, you never know. Like Henrik Lundqvist is a guy for me that I would make that move. I'd be like, you know what? It's Henrik Lundqvist. Corey Crawford, I don't think he's that guy. Yeah. And Chicago, I really don't know what the heck they're going to do there. Stan Bowman, like, you had Robin Lehner and Corey Crawford. You've lost And both. now they're both gone. Like, I, I don't know. I don't really care. It's the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> they can go ahead and suck for another decade. It's just fine with me. <laughs> I'm going to forget this, too, because on top of the goaltender situation, you got the injury history of Corey Crawford, and you're bringing in a guy who basically you're going to pay a million, two million dollars maybe to be injured possibly half the season. So, um, But if he's a backup, that, that should, hypothetically, we don't know, but it should make it easier for him to make it through the year, right? Maybe. Yes. Who's that, Corey Crawford? Corey Crawford? He'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. Even with the injury history of yeah, I think what he's going 20, through? 25 starts, I think he's fine. Yeah. The problem is, do you get him beyond this year? Like, what are you looking at? And then what if you do have an injury problem 
and then you have another problem with Bennington. I don't know. I, I think you're going to see them get a goaltender with veteran experience, but somebody who's willing to play in the AHL yes. and NHL. Lower scale, yeah. lower tier. Like a Carter Hutton or kind like of Curtis person. Curtis McElhenney. Yes. Tampa Bay it's Lightning backup goalie, Columbus Stanley goalie. Cup champion, and he's an incredible yeah. AHL, NHL guy. Somebody making less than a million who's willing to play in the AHL and NHL. He'd probably take a two-way deal. Probably. Probably. Well, like, you you know, have 700 to. in the NHL yeah. and like maybe 250 guaranteed in the minors. See, I kind of go the other way on this, and I, I'm going to lean on you, the hockey guys here. I'm probably wrong, but if they didn't re-sign Petro, if that ends up going the wrong way, in my opinion, and he signs elsewhere, I would want to have another goaltender that I feel pretty good about starting, especially in Ferrario. You mentioned this the other day. If we're going to have this schedule where it's really condensed and you're having to play three games and four nights and you're doing back to backs consistently, you're going to have to spell Jordan Bennington at times. And that second goalie is going to be more important than he would be in your typical season. I want a guy that I can count on there. Now, I don't know what Veli Huso is. Maybe their internal scouting report is that he's going to be a great backup and he's exactly what they want. Okay, that's fine. If that ends up being what they decide to do, it's kind of like Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill. Let's find out what they've got. But I would rather have a little more certainty there. One thing, too, let's not forget, and I'm going to put it out here right now, is don't be surprised if NHL teams go with three goalies on a roster because of the condensed schedule, because of the possibility of injury, and you want a guy that's right there at your disposal. I could see them foregoing a fourth liner who is not really a difference maker. I could see them foregoing that for a goalie, an extra goalie. Or, or expanding the roster. I was about to say, do you think they'll do what Major League Baseball did where well, you could. expand it a little bit? As maybe. it sits right now, they haven't, yeah. right? But even though they haven't, I would still, I could still see the three goalies. Teams have done in the last couple of years in different scenarios as it was. Heck, in Detroit, when I was there, we had Hashik, Cujo, and Legacy, and I was like, oh my God. Six, no five, play seven, time for anybody. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it. This one comes from the 6-3 guys. The 6-3-6, rather. Guys, bet it or forget it. Pat Maroon could outdrink Rivers when Rivers was in his prime. In my prime? Oh, forget it. Pat Maroon in his prime versus Jamie Rivers in Jamie Rivers' prime. Forget it. No chance. He just said the other day that 14 beers at a football game was was yeah, weak. I'm, not I'm, impressive. No, I'm just going to tell you right now, the big rig is the big rig, but I'll drink me in my prime. There's let's no remember, people, that Jamie <laughs> Rivers, no Jamie has never been more serious about a subject in his life. Because Jamie Rivers drank daily with Brett Hull. That's a good point. That's right. That's the point. Actually. I was drunk as Hull a lot. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Given how serious Jamie was on oh, yeah. that answer and how like it was wolf eyes. He has never been more confident in anything he has ever said <laughs> in his entire life. Well, other than having his name first on the show, I was pretty confident. Well, that was a must. That was said with authority. That was said yes. with I'll kill you if you say otherwise. This one was said with confidence where he knew he was right. I think I think Rivs could probably out drink him right now, to it's, be honest with you. It's a possibility. <laughs> 65780 is the air comfort service tax slide for bet it or forget it. Guys, bet it or forget it. You should take the Bears plus the three points tonight against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you surprised it's only a three-point line? Well, look who's not playing for him, though. They yeah, don't have O.J. No Howard, no Godwin, no Evans, it sounds Evans like. Evans just, yeah, they showed that so he may not be. Yeah. So you have Raheem Mostert 
And there's Nola Sean McCoy. So you have mustard as your weapon. Mustard? Mustard. mustard. I prefer ketchup. I prefer mustard. <laughs> Are you talking about Ronald Jones? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said Raheem like mustard. mustard. He's San Francisco. Yeah, Ronald Jones. Like, that's your sole weapon. Now, look, Brady can make weapons out of nothing. That's what but they were playing with most of the game last week, too. They won that one they're pretty easily. They're playing the Bears, guys. They're not, they're not losing guys, this game. Guys, Tricky Nicky's going to win this by 15. Oh, my God. They're not losing this game. This is another one of those where the spread makes me cautious. <laughs> I, I think you should be cautious betting this game unless you're on the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app six, uh, with the promo code Brandon if you're a new user and you get the 25 to 1 boost. Uh, that's that's the only way that I would bet this game. Only a three-point favorite for the Bucks is strange. They are significantly better as a team overall than the than the Chicago Bears. I think, they're t- I think, and I don't know specifically, but maybe the records come into this. It's kind of blurring the odds a little bit on it. I don't know. Strange. I wouldn't bet it unless you're going to the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook and you've got those uh, that boost. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for better to forget it. Better to forget it, boys. The Cardinals will let at least one of Yadier Molina or Adam Wainwright walk. Let's get into that on the other side. Wayno and Yachty, not 100% guaranteed to return. That's what I heard yesterday when I was listening to Derek Gould on the fast lane, and it surprised me a little bit. We'll get into it on the other side on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. He's going out on top. To be his age, to have a great year, and to have the debut on national TV that he had, which he was incredibly good. I thought he was excellent. He is outstanding, and I know for a fact my network wants him. So when my network wants you, I mean, I, I've been here for 12 years now, so it's hard to say no. They're, they're going to be aggressive. I, I do not see him throwing another game. I read, and that's the sad thing for Cardinal, for Cardinal fans. It really is. That was Greg Amzinger on the morning show earlier today. You can check out the full podcast. 101ESPN.com is where you find it. He thinks Wayno's done. Thinks Wayno, after doing his first broadcast, is going to be sucked into the broadcast booth. He's going to go into television, and he's done pitching. He's going out on top after what was just a fantastic season for him. Ended the year, 10 starts, a 3.1 ERA overall, two complete games, both of which were amazing. Uh, he thinks that it's over for Adam Wainwright here in St. Louis. Jamie, whenever I package that with what I heard yesterday from Derek Gould, who was on with the fast lane talking about what it would take for Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright coming back next year, it makes me a little less optimistic that both of them will be back. Here's what Derek Gould had to say yesterday. With Molina, it's a little bit trickier, right? Because he made $20 million this year. Do you guys bring him back at $20 million? That's probably not what the market would bear for him either. To make that happen, unless they're going to give him, I think off the top of my number, or off the top of my head, the number $16 million, it's thereabouts. If they're going to offer him $16 million, then they can take care of that here. But if they're not, he's got to become a free agent first by rule. And then at least get a chance to see what else is out there. It, it it could get a little tricky. And both of them have talked, and they've been honest about this, about trying to go, trying to stay together. They've been very forthright with their hope that it's with the Cardinals. Um, but they've also had, you know, the, the discussion that it could be elsewhere, and they could go elsewhere together. That was Eric Gould yesterday on the Fast Lane, one hundred one ESPN dot com, where you find the full podcast of that as well. It has officially been announced that the qualifying offer Jamie is going to be eighteen point nine million dollars for this upcoming season. So if the Cardinals wanted to give him Yadier Molina, the qualifying offers that way, if he signs elsewhere, the Cardinals would get at least a draft pick in return. They would have to be willing to basically commit to 18.9 million for next year to him on a one year deal. I, 
I was really confident at the end of the year that both of these guys were going to be back next season. I, I still think that's going to be the most likely outcome here. But in the last 24 hours or so, there's been at least some signs that maybe that's not the direction that this is headed. What did you make of hearing those? Well, to, to kind of break open both of those cases right there, um, I could see that with Wayno. First of all, it's isol- I'm going to isolate Adam Wainwright for a second. Mm-hmm uncertainty of what next baseball season could look like right now. Nobody knows the the fact that he did come back this year and had a great season. He was the ace. We said it several times in the massive performances that he had. The only thing that could have been better was winning a world series. And second to that was the performances he had this season in St. Louis. It'll be, it'll be remembered forever by people here. So if you're going to go out it's kind of an opportune time, and he's got a job. Looks like he's got it lined up to stay in baseball one or two games a week, have fun, be with the family, not be stressed out like that. Yes, he's a competitor, but I can tell you from personal experience that when you leave the game, you have different things that you can compete at, radio, TV, and you're always trying to do better, trying to do better. Not that you're competing with people beside you, but within yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a pitcher, who you're truly competing with at the end of the day is how good you can be. And so Adam Wainwright, that makes sense that he could step away. If that's the case, an $18 million qualifier to Yachty, that's a no-brainer. You know, you make I that so because too. you take that money, the 7 or $8 million you were going to give Wayno, and you say, okay, let's just say $18 million to Yachty here, and you get it done. And Because Yachty, I think, still wants to play. So you keep Yachty, maybe Wayno walks. Either way, I don't think you can be upset. The only thing that kind of sucks about it is that Wayno was a difference maker. Now, could he be that next year and beyond? Who knows, right? I mean, aging arms, aging bodies, and it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I, I think that Wayno could step away to his own decision, like him doing it. And then I think the Cardinals easily qualify Yachty. And that, that's the starting point. Now, does Yachty want the qualifier? Does he want 20? Does he want 22? Does he want 25? Who knows, right? Like, yeah. I know that sounds crazy, 25, and I'm just joking, exaggerating. But who knows what Yachty's going to want? If you want to read the tell, it's hard to sit here and say that the Cardinals are willing to move on from Yachty and not play Kisner at all like this yeah. season. And then say, oh, well, Kisner's our guy now. So that's the part. Uh, part of me wonders, though, if Wayno decides not to come back and Wayno calls it a career, does Yachty look at it and say okay, maybe I go and finish out my career somewhere else. I don't think he would. I think he wants to finish his career as a Cardinal. But if Wayno's not coming back, do the Cardinals and Yachty both view that as maybe it's an end of an era in St. Louis? And maybe Yachty goes and finishes his career somewhere, tries to win one more World Series before he calls it quits. Wayno's done, and era is transitioning for the Cardinals. But I'm reading the tell, and if you don't play Kisner at all, and then say, oh, well, now he's our guy for 162 games next year or however many they play. I don't see that being a thing at all. I tend to agree with you, Ferrario. I I also don't know. Uh, listen, I Gamesinger would know probably more than I would. I would imagine he's at least heard from MLB Network, certainly, that they're interested in Wayno. And I'm sure everybody, if Wayno decided to go into media, would be interested in, in Wayno. If he, wanted to do I a, am. if he wanted to do a radio show, I'm sure 101 would be interested in him. Because, of course, like it's Adam Wainwright. Fox Sports Midwest should be interested in him. Everybody should want him to be a part of their broadcast because he's good at it. And he is recently retired, if that ends up being the direction that he goes. So, of course, they would want him, too. I don't know if Wayno's done. I also don't know if he wants to go out that way. I, I don't know what that was like for him to, if it was his last game, have his last game be with no fans in the stands. 
but I can't imagine that's the way that he pictured that's himself point. going out. I just I think that he's going to get the type of reception in his final start here in St. Louis, the, the same way that Matt Holliday did, the same way that Yadier Molina deserves to have here. I I refuse to believe that he's going to walk out in a pandemic year and have that be his final time starting in this the, with the birds on the bat. I I can't see it, man. I really I think if the Cardinals do anything this offseason, it's this. They're going to bring back Yachty. They're going to bring back Adam Wainwright because those two guys I just can't see playing elsewhere. And I don't think they're done playing. I don't think Wayno's the type of guy that says, you know what? I just had, in my opinion, a, a borderline should have been an awards conversations type of a season. And yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and hang it up and go into this broadcast thing. That's going to be there whenever I want it to be there. OK, so let me let me ask you this then, OK, because this is what pops into my head now is you're right. And I agree 100% with you. I don't think Wayna wants to walk out to the silence of crickets in the crowd and nobody you know, giving him what he truly deserves is that great ovation for his last game or his last season or whatever it is. But do you think Adam Wainwright looks at this Cardinals team and says, eh, we're not, a, we're not World Series contenders next year, and heck, we may not be two years from now. Like, how long can he go here looking for the perfect ending? You've heard Wayno talk before, right? Of course. That dude is optimistic by nature. Mm -hmm. He's going to he's going to say to himself, because I've heard it. We've all heard it time and time and time again. Every year he goes into the season saying, man, look at this pitching. You get a couple of of these young guys that end up being able to hit a little bit. He's going to talk himself into Dylan Carlson. He's going to say, man, Colton Wong's going to be great as our leadoff guy. He's just that's who Adam Wainwright is. He's going to buy. He's going to sell himself on the fact that this team can win a World Series because that's what they do. Jamie, I'm sure there were a lot of teams that you were on that you were a good team, maybe not a Stanley Cup team. And you talked yourself into it before the season of, hey, man, we could win a cup this year, right? (laughs) Everybody before the season starts can win a cup, right? So, And that's how Wayno is. Every (laughs) year he feels that way, especially if it's him and Yachty back next season because that's that's where the confidence really comes from. He's going to think that he's going to have a great year to build off of what he just did. Yachty's going to be awesome, and they're going to have some of these young guys come through. The other thing, too, is you know wanting to come back with a – stadium filled with fans to go out your final year do you come back on a whim and a hope that that's there because there still is a lot of uncertainty of what next year it's looks like too. in baseball there but will be already, some amount of fans though, i mean I miami has already decided they can have sixty thousand people oh, in 65. the fans. let's Thank go you. off the trend of the miami marl or the miami dolphins but you know what i mean like if, if football can already have fans in right. the stands and it seems like it's a knock on wood but going relatively successfully i haven't heard of any outbreaks that have been specifically traced back to going to a football game so if that can be done I don't know if it will be full capacity here in St. Louis but I'm pretty confident they're going to have fans in the stands next year of some sort you also wonder the the human side of this and I know Wayno and his family have three young girls Um, they just adopted a young boy does he look at that and say you know what I played 10 plus years in the majors I've been in the Cy Young conversation I've won World Series now I'm going to go do broadcast and spend more time with my family. And do you see a scenario, which, by the way, Alex, is a really good point. Okay, you get a guy like Wayno who has accomplished everything mm-hmm. that he can or that he has to. Yes, there's a competitive beast that lays oh, yeah. inside of him and wants to continue to do that. But maybe it's time. You know, yeah. maybe he looks at it that way. But do you see a scenario where Wayno comes back and pitches one game? No. No. One game. Like signs what up. If he, like he goes a, to, no, he signs a deal and he pitches that one last home game and when he walks off the field, that's it. 
if he's coming back and he's going through spring training and he's getting his body right all off season, he will commit to one more year. Yeah. I bet you he would say he might say before the season, this is going to be my last year. I've got one more in me and I'm going to make the most of it from what I can. I could see him doing <laughs> if that. I'm, if I'm Bill DeWitt, I'm going, hey, by the way, if you know it's going to be your last year, hey, let's know in advance, <laughs> right? Because we are going make to as much sell money this. As well. it, was, it was double over the way, no jerseys. <laughs> it was two spring trainings ago where he basically said it's spring training the first day of his availability look i'm not this is the only time i'm talking about this season remember that i'm not going to speak of this being my last year if i'm playing again so don't ask me beyond today i could see that changing this time around though because this year he was a little more reflective than he had been in the past like i think he knows it's coming i don't know if it's now or if it's going to be after next year but i think next year's probably the last one if he does decide to come back because of the way that he was talking about things this year compared to the way that he typically would. And that's a great point for Ario. He did do that. I remember that mm-hmm. in spring training. I remember everybody gathering around. And yep. He said, I'm not talking about this again. It's the only time I'm going to talk about it for the rest of the year. Don't even ask me because I will just say next question. Yep. Um, I did want to mention one other thing. I figured because I put this out on Twitter. I said, if the Cardinals can only do one of these two things financially, which would you prefer? Option one, bring back Yachty and Wayno. Or option two, add a big bat in the offseason. Because I think it's possible they're going to have to decide between those two things because it could cost $25, $30 million to bring back both Yachty and Wayno, and that's probably what they would have to spend or something similar to that if they wanted to really go out and get aggressive and get that big bat. Jamie, are you surprised at all that 55% of the audience, and there's 1,800 votes in this thing, 55% of Cardinals fans say they would rather have the big bat than re-sign Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina this offseason. Did you put it on your personal Twitter? Mm-hmm. I'm more surprised you get 1,800 votes, personally. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Welcome to Ribs and VK on Don't even answer the ESPN. question. <laughs> I was frankly surprised by it. The I junk drawer is always surprising, and we're going to jump into it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and VK podcast on 101 ESPN. Every day you see Sarah Silverman and Mark Ruffalo naked in a PSA. It's not. I saw that. Sarah Did Silverman was actually kind of impressive. I did. <laughs> I gave her a little bit of golf clap on that one. Where was this at? I missed it. So voting is important, Cable. right? It's all of our... <laughs> our duty as citizens to do so not going to lecture on that or anything but (laughs) there's a new psa out uh for naked ballots and celebrities have taken it upon themselves it's true jamie celebrities have taken it upon themselves to inform americans about how important it is to make sure you get your mail-in ballot correct that way your vote actually counts for you and they're taking this to the extreme amy schumer josh gad all kinds of different celebrities are in here, Jamie, and they're getting naked. Chris Rock telling you about what you need to Chris do, what? Rock, okay. to make sure that your ballot counts in this PSA. Listen, I'm all for PSA. Did we really have to get naked? Hey, I just saw the picture of Sarah Silverman, and again, see? Congrats. Okay, but Do yeah, we need to get naked for this, though, to you, get our point across? I'm not going to vote. I'm just going to look at the picture. You've got a really good point on this one, uh, although I'm not opposed to getting naked. It is what it is. Um, that's the way we're born. Anyways. Yeah, I'm not shaming any, anybody for it, but it just seems like a, uh, well, you can't a bold shame. strategy. So I think that that's the, I think that's the strategy. If they have one, is whoa, why are those people naked? Well, because we're going to vote now. Fast forward to the election day, right? Can you truly arrest somebody then if they show up naked to vote? 
They took this the wrong way. They were like, oh, so my vote needs to be while naked. I mean, I saw it on TV. So you guys didn't want us to show up naked and vote. So So instead of naked ballots, you took it as naked while at the ballot. Correct. Which obviously when people are naked and they're showing you that they're naked, it could be viewed differently. So then who's the bad guy? The guy lined up? How much money? Naked, ready to cast his vote how or, much, you know how much money would you need to be paid to go up to a voting ballot naked well, well I just, enough to be able to bail me out of jail yeah. <laughs> for starters so first of all yeah that's the thing okay and a lot of them are in school zones so that seems like a bad that's idea true. mine's in a school zone so most probably not of good. them are actually in the schools <laughs> yes. so that might be an even worse idea there won't be any kids present right no if well pretty sure you have to be 18 at least to vote i'm yeah. pretty sure on that one. Oh, well then you can get naked then yeah that's good enough right <laughs> here's my problem they were with 18 this. oh my goodness that excuse always works i feel like there should be some copyright infringement on this oh you guys remember recently we talked about the other psa that was making news the get your booty to the pole oh, psa that's right remember Atlanta exotic dancers also did not get naked by the way they were clothed kind of in their PSA to make sure that people were getting out and getting their votes out. I think this is actually celebrities ripping off the idea and trying to make it their own and trying to give themselves some of the shine. I actually think this should be a a trademark issue. Mm. Yes, it sure would be that way. Now, another issue that you can have sometimes is there's good food available. Sometimes that good food is in an area maybe you don't know. You're new to town. Or let's be honest, some of the best food you've ever had, that, that homegrown cooking, that barbecue especially, sometimes you're in areas that maybe aren't great. Okay? Mm-hmm. I grew so, up in KC. I had plenty of... Poor areas that had excellent barbecue. There you go. So I found a a review on Yelp, actually from one of our listeners who is a Riz Show (laughs) listener too, and sent me this little thing, and I thought it was amazing. I guaranteed them we'd use it in the junk drawer today because it's just that awesome. (laughs) So a Yelp review, official Yelp review. It doesn't have the city, although I'm sure you could pinpoint a handful across the area, even in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. But the headline goes, when you live in a city with a high crime rate, but really good barbecue pan down three out of five stars for the review and here's the actual review must be mediocre barbecue three out of five three out of five i got stabbed here the food was fresh and the drinks were tasty but i got stabbed here i would consider going back though (laughs) the best is yet to come gentlemen got stabbed but the food was so good i i'd probably recommend it okay so you're reading this yelp review right like we're driving through city x are we sure tommy fam didn't write this (laughs) this may be tommy they make their own barbecue fresh every day there it is 2015 this review so could be tommy fam now yeah that being said okay if the food is that good like it's amazing and you know this is like a treat for your palate right no three out of five are you risking the fact that you might get shanked ferrario do you know how good food has to be be for me to get stabbed at your establishment three out of five and still give you three stars yeah i guess that's true the food has to be incredible that's pretty (laughs) for it to reach that high i mean the fact that he said i definitely would go back that's impressive. They they make the barbecue fresh though. Obviously, like they're stabbing their meat and Do you think putting it. Was, it to, <laughs> now that's not, that's deeper than I wanted to go. Maybe it was an employee with an actual knife. Where is the best barbecue you've ever had? Oh wow! There's a place, Jamie. I know you've 
Yeah. Gone all across God. America. I'll tell you what, there's a place in San Jose oh. that is incredible. It's right by the hotel, about 10 minutes away. I forget the dang name of it, but all the NHL teams when we go into town. It's not even that good. No, it is. It's really good. I probably just had too many beers to remember. <laughs> but um, that, that is one of the places. It was phenomenal. And then locally, guys, how can we overlook St. Louis? Like, you can't. You've got some absolute yep. diamonds here. And Adam's Smokehouse, for me, they're just, they do it right. Like, they're brisket. I always get it to go, right? Even if I eat it in, here's why I get it to go. They put it in a little container, and they put the brisket in the container and fill it up with, like, some of the juice, the au jus. Mm. And then you just pull it out of there, and it's dripping. And I feel like a wolf that hasn't eaten in three weeks. Mm. Oh, you're not kidding. There's there's three of them. Salt and Smoke's the gold standard when it's it comes incredible. to barbecue in St. Louis. I haven't um, been there yet. Oh, really? Hey, Salt and Smoke, step up. Bring us some food. Oh, <laughs> dude, I will go with you. I will go with you as well get the um, salt and smoke drink too gates barbecue is incredible and then we went to a place when i was doing play-by-play in lindenwood called oklahoma joe's oh which yeah. was sensational oh now was that joe's kc um kansas city actually atlanta i think that's the funny part <laughs> <laughs> actually located you thought you had a joke there. In, a, in a gas station in kansas okay. city it so, was incredible speaking of a gas station here locally too first of all i'd be remiss not to mention pappies who are yeah, incredible yes. and they're right Next to Center Ice Brewery downtown. Oh, so if you want, as well. There's so many good spots. Well. It's amazing. Sugar fire. fire. I mean, taste one, test. One guy, okay, locally, he's a friend of ours. It's called Jimmy's Low and Slow. And he's got his. Uh, here? Yeah, here in St. Louis, in St. Charles, and he's at a gas station. He drags this monster pit over there. And every Saturday, I mean, it's go time. So Jimmy's Low and Slow in St. Charles, it's awesome. Tell me you've never gotten barbecue at one of those like outside a grocery store and think that's disgusting and you eat it it's incredible it i've had a couple of pretty good they're really good have I'm you guys ever fan. been to beast barbecue here in st louis locally no, where's that at? oh it is real good it was originally out in belleville like that's where their original spot was they have expanded now it is also in st louis it is incredible okay, so show show field trip boys Let's go. I think one day, every day uh, next week, these places should bring us barbecue. <laughs> or we go there or we broadcast for three hours. Say that on the air. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 bring ESPN. Coming up next, our guy Ben Heisler is going to join us to talk about who he loves this week. And let's get his opinion on tonight's game, Jamie. It's a three-point line between the Bucks and the Bears. That seems really small to me. Is he taking the Bears in this one? We'll talk to Ben Heisler about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. Mm. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to have our friend Ben Heisler on the show. He's a family fantasy football and sports betting analyst for Sports Illustrated joining us here on 101 ESPN. And Heis is absolutely washed. He's washed, Jamie. It's over for him. He had to get hernia surgery yesterday, and he's playing what? hurt for us coming on the show today. Heiss, how you doing, man? You doing all right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was going to be a slightly different introduction. I thought it was going to be a my man Heiss. He's, he's playing hurt. You know, our, our, our guy Rivers is. <laughs> I added that in as well. I said, this is your you know? flu game, Heiss. Oh, this is my flu game. All right. Well, then I have to come through and not not be you know, completely atrocious. But yeah, listen, I, 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 you can't you can't bring me on with a former hockey player and be like, oh, this guy just had hernia surgery. Like Rivers, what's what's the worst injury that you've ever played through? Uh, played through? 
Uh, yeah. About seven broken noses, uh, yeah, so 53 we, stitches through my chin, a broken foot, a broken hand, a separated shoulder. She a also died rib. on the ice, ice. <laughs> and I also did die uh, playing hockey. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you go. Like, what, what are we doing here? The fact that you can try and come and, and make this comparison. Yeah. Two years old. I need surgery. I do feel somewhat washed. Are you okay? That's that's the real question here. Are you doing all right, buddy? Yeah. I'm no, I, again, everything is relative when we're having the conversation between the three of us. Yes, I, I'm feeling fine. Definitely in some pain. Trying to move myself around a little bit, and uh, you know, I have been taking a little bit of uh, medicine to try and help me get through it. So uh, we'll see whether or not these picks are completely crazy or not. Well, we have plenty <laughs> of experience with our guy Ferrario making ridiculous claims because of his medication as well. So it's all there good, go. guys. This is nothing new right. here on the show. All right, let's start with the game tonight, Heist, because the Buccaneers are traveling to Chicago. The Bucks are a three-point road favorite. This surprises me a little bit. I would expect them to be a bigger favorite going into Chicago. What am I missing here? And should I be on the Bears side of things, given what that line is? Well, considering where this line was and where it is now, I think you may have missed that ideal window. At DraftKings Sportsbook this week, guys, and I know, and, uh, and maybe FanDuel Sportsbook, because I know there's a connection with the show, I think that this line was as high as Buccaneers minus six. But what we've seen over the course of the last few days is that Tampa Bay is going to deal with maybe their top four wide receivers not being available. Uh, Mike Evans missed practice yesterday. He's a game-time decision, as is Scotty Miller. We already know that Chris Godwin is out. Leonard Fournette, very unlikely to play. And O.J. Howard is now lost for the season. So now you're dealing with Tom Brady having to throw to Ronald Jones, who he doesn't trust in the backfield, as certainly in the passing game. Maybe it's a Keyshawn Vaughn game. Maybe Rob Gronkowski rolls his way into the end zone. And then after that, you're dealing with all sorts of injuries. As for Chicago, it's a short week for them, considering they had the Sunday game. Um, but I think they also, we, we might be doubting the, the Indianapolis Colts a little bit, only in the sense that they've played some bad teams, but they're still the number one DVOA defense uh, so far in the NFL. Like They've looked really good on, on both sides of the ball. And so I think you're going to see a better game out of Nick Foles this week. He had a really good connection with Allen Robinson as well as Darnell Mooney, their fifth-round pick. Um, and, and a lot of information coming in from Vegas would indicate that while the bets are on Tampa Bay, the line has moved in favor of Chicago by nearly three points. So I don't know if I like the Bears plus three, but I got them at plus four and a half a little bit earlier. Maybe we see this line move back uh, in favor at plus three and a half. But I do think the right side here is Chicago. All right, Heiss. Cleveland Browns are going to be without Nick Chubb, and we understand how much of the offense he is. So based on that, if you've got Cleveland going here, where are they going to distribute the ball now with Nick Chubb out? Who should people, you know, maybe put in their lineup that is a Cleveland Brown? I think you start primarily with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt might be a top five, top ten running back this week. Again, it's a tough matchup against the Indianapolis Colts, but what Cleveland has decided to do this year with Kevin Stefanski as their head coach is run the ball and run it down your throat. Last week, Kareem Hunt, 11 rushing attempts, had two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, wasn't used in the receiving game, but we know that that's an option for him. And they also have somebody that you might have been able to pick up on the waiver wire this week into Ernest Johnson. Uh, and he had 13 rushing attempts for 95 yards last week. So they're going to incorporate the running game. That's not going to change. And what that does is that it just makes life so much easier for Baker Mayfield, who can then connect with Odell Beckham Jr., who can then find Jarvis Landry in the middle of the field. He can look to Austin Hooper, their tight end. 
uh, without necessarily feeling like he has to force the ball. It was part of the reason that Mayfield struggled so much in Freddie Kitchen's offense in 2019. So I think Dearness Johnson is going to be that intriguing name to watch out for. Again, it's a difficult matchup for him against the Colts, but I think Kareem Hunt is absolutely in play in one of my favorite plays of the week. Let's stick with fantasy heist because the big game this week that I think a lot of people are paying attention to because, frankly, they've got a lot of fantasy-relevant players are the Bills and the Titans, and we still don't know if or when this game is going to be played. If you have Bills or Titans on your fantasy team this week, what are we supposed to do with this one? I'm treating it like a bye, guys, especially you know the more positive tests that continue to come in. We, so we did. We saw the same thing essentially happen for the uh, for the Titans and the Steelers in Week Three, and people are like, "Well, you know, maybe the NFL is going to find a way, or the NFL is money hungry, and they're going to try and do whatever they can to make sure this game gets played." It will get played. It just won't be until Week Seven. So I am treating this very much as if this game is going to be postponed, uh, possibly even forfeited at this point. Uh, I know that's still a bit of spe- a speculation, but I, at this point, I, I just don't want to take the L. I don't want to have roster spots that are unavailable and now we're already dealing with bye weeks you might have had a little bit more flexibility in week three because nobody else was on a bye but you know if you have Devin Singletary or Josh Allen who's playing at an MVP level Ryan Tannehill's been good uh you know Stefan Diggs also all these guys that have had really nice seasons Johnny Smith I think you need to be I you know you need to be aggressive uh, and either making sure that you make a trade or get on that waiver wire to know that you have those positions covered this week. Uh, I wouldn't put anything to chance. We're talking to Ben Heisler, fantasy football and sports betting analyst for Sports Illustrated. He's joining us here on 101 ESPN. All right, Heisler, there's two running backs in particular that have really disappointed so far this year, at least in my opinion. You look to the Cardinals and you got Kenyon Drake. And then you look over to the Colts. I thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be a league winner for people after Marlon Mack went down, and he just hasn't had the same share of the carries as I expected. Of those two, which one do you expect to get back on track and to potentially be that league winner down the stretch? I would probably say Jonathan Taylor because I think even though he hasn't looked impressive, he's looked good enough, and I think there's not enough competition within the Colts' backfield to really give him any sort of run for his money. Maybe they had that with Marlon Mack, but he goes down in week one. I mean, after that, you're looking at, at, at Josh Wilkins. Naheem Hines is very hit or miss. They like him in the passing game. There's just nobody else that's going to do what Jonathan Taylor does in this offense. Now, conversely, with Arizona, right now there's a lot of conversation with Kenyon Drake that Chase Edmonds is going to get more carries and more volume in this offense. And he was the guy, especially when he was going in the late first round, that I thought to myself, like we've seen Kenyon Drake do it for maybe a quarter of a season, maybe half a season at best once he came to Arizona, but you know, there's no guarantees here. And they always are using three and four wide receiver sets. Kyler Murray is running a ton. Like there's not real, there's no real indication that would say that Kenyon Drake is all of a sudden going to just turn this thing around. Um, I don't think you can trade him at this point because I don't think his value is going to be, you know, at least improved. So I would rather rely on Jonathan Taylor based off the fact that they have a terrific offensive line. And I think at some point he's going to get more into a consistent flow within this offense. Remember, the Colts do run and they run the ball a lot. And there's no and there's less guys that are getting in his way of being able to get volume and, and, and goal line work. All right, Heiss. So here at 101, we have what we call the uh, Fast Lane Pick'em Challenge, okay? And we're competing against uh, another morning show. just happens to be number one in the market for, you know, whatever. Anyways, they're beating us right now three weeks to one. So I'm putting my picks in starting with today and moving forward. I have two games that I'm stuck on, and I just quickly want to get your take. Now, remember, it's a pick'em, so don't even worry about the odds on this. 
the juggernauts uh, from Jacksonville <laughs> against the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, who would you who would you take straight up in that game? I like Houston to bounce back. I think the decision to move away from Bill O'Brien, who was just flat out toxic in that organization. Uh, you know, one of our my fellow co-writers um, uh, over at Sports Illustrated um, basically he had a tweet earlier this week saying, "Imagine." You know, whispering in Bill O'Brien's ear when the Texans were up 24 to nothing over the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium that he would never win another game as coach of the Houston Texans. And, and that's what happened. They started off 0-4. He got canned. Um, you know, there were some reports of him and J.J. Watt fighting on the sidelines. Sean Watson clearly wasn't happy. And so I think the move, yes, Romeo Cornell, I know BK has some, some memories of him back in from his Kansas <sighs> City days. Uh, so it's not necessarily you know any sort of advantage on the Romeo side, but I think the players are going to be a lot happier, and Bill O'Brien clearly wasn't helping this team win. So I think that the Texans coming in, Jacksonville's going to give them a run. They tend to have a lot of these late fourth quarter uh, opportunities in them, but I think Houston hangs on there at home. Uh, I, I would take the Texans in that matchup. All right, done. And now the next one, and I was pretty sure of myself on this, but then old tinfoil Ferrario here in the studio and BK, our buddy here, started to put doubt in my head, and I think they did it to mess with me, but the Monday night matchup, the Chargers and the Saints, I'm leaning the Saints, but these guys have me worried. Yeah, I, it's understandable. I, they, they got a big win. I think at one point it might have been you know 28 unanswered points by the Lions. Uh, last week on the road, they're back at home where they played substantially better this year, have wins over the Buccaneers. I know they lost to the Packers, but, but Green Bay is undefeated, and that offense looks terrific. You know, the Chargers, they're, they're making things interesting. Justin Herbert looks like you know, a solid quarterback uh, and a guy that's going to take some chances downfield. But you know, losing Austin Eckler for the next several weeks, that is a big loss for them. He's an integral part of their passing game. And now it's going to be some combination of their rookie Joshua Kelly along with Justin Jackson in the backfield. Mike Evans is a bit, or Mike Evans, not, not Mike Evans, Mike Williams uh, is a bit nicked up for them as well. And Keenan Allen's having a really nice year as is Hunter Henry, but back to back, really close calls with them and the, and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I just don't see it for the Chargers. I, I like the Saints to go ahead and win on Monday night at home. And last one for you, Heist. Do you have any upset picks this week? It's a weird week in terms of the slate. There's not a whole lot of really compelling games, basically just Colts-Browns that's really interesting to me. Do you have an upset pick this week? I think the Raiders cover the spread. I don't know if that's necessarily an upset pick. We're but doing this again. <laughs> we're, we're doing this again. I, I think, I, what am I, what am I, 2-0 and on, on my Chiefs or anti-Chiefs pick? Um, listen, I, they're, they're not going to win. It's still Andy Reid going up against the Raiders and going up against the AFC West where he flat out dominates. Uh, but I, I, I think back to that week two game where the Raiders really had the Chiefs number in the first, third, and fourth quarter. And then in the second quarter, Pat Mahomes threw for like 278 yards and four touchdowns. And that was kind of the end of it. Um, you know, Kansas City is dealing with a, a bit of this COVID scare after their their uh, matchup last week against the Patriots. They're back at home after two weeks of playing teams that they really wanted to send a message to in Baltimore and New England. It, 12 points, guys, 12 and a half points at FanDuel Sportsbook. That's a lot of points at home. And, and what the Raiders like to do is they're going to try and keep the homes off the field. I think it's going to be a big Josh Jacobs week. Last year, he had over 200 yards on 29 carries against the Chiefs. I think you're going to see a lot of Josh Jacobs and a lot of running down the clock to try and keep Mahomes and company off the field. Uh, and I think the Raiders, I don't know if they necessarily keep it close, but you know, 12 and a half, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable that they make this sort of a 10-point game. And so I'll say that the Raiders cover the spread this week against Kansas City, you know, trying to give up 12 and a half points. I mean, that's too much. 
I am done doubting you on your anti-Chiefs picks, Heiss. I will not call you crazy, although I will say that Andy Reid has a bit of a domination against the AFC West, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But I will will trust your instincts on this one and say that the Raiders have a really good running game and the Chiefs can't stop the run, so it is absolutely possible. You want another another upset, then, if if we're going to go down this road again? Let's do it. All right, Sunday night game. You have the Vikings opening up at uh, plus nine on the road against Seattle since it's moved down to plus seven over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, Minnesota figured out something last week. And again, it was uh, a fairly straightforward matchup against Houston. Uh, But since they've unleashed Justin Jefferson, they have looked like a much more solid, balanced team on offense. Uh, Their secondary is still going to get picked apart, but I I do think their, their front four is terrific. Their linebackers are good. Um, and this is going to be a fun game. Like you're just going to see a lot of deep balls from both Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. I think this is going to go back and forth. And the fact that the Vikings are, are getting seven to me is very intriguing. And so I don't know if they'll necessarily win, but I would imagine it would be an upset considering how good Seattle has looked all year long. I think the Vikings keep it close and I think it ends up being a one possession game. And so there you go. Another upset. The Vikings cover the spread at plus seven. I like that one. That's a good upset pick right there, yeah. Ben Heisler. I'm into that one. And I think you only gave it to us because you're on the medication. Get better, my friend. <laughs> we always appreciate the time. We look forward to this each and every Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Uh, make sure that you're getting better, man. We, we, we really appreciate the time today. Listen, if I was really on strong stuff, I probably would have said the Vikings straight up. But okay. <laughs> and it's always good to talk to you guys. We'll do it again next week. You're the best. That's Ben Heisler, fantasy football and sports betting analyst over at Sports Illustrated. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Benny Heis, H-E-I-S. It is 117, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I think there's got the potential this week, Jamie to be a few upsets because some of the teams right now are just, I feel like they're playing coy. Right now the Panthers are technically an underdog. They're a two-point underdog on the road against the Falcons. I'm not sure the Falcons are better than the Panthers thus far this season. I think we're going to see an interesting game between, as you said, the Jags and the Texans. Texans are a six-point favorite despite the fact that they are 0-4 on the season. I also am really interested in watching what the Colts and Browns game looks like. That one has me nervous. I like the Colts in that one. They're a one-and-a-half-point road favorite, but I, would anybody be surprised if the Browns win that by two scores? I, I wouldn't be. It wouldn't we need to stop me. thinking against Alex's Cleveland Browns, guys. Stop going against them. They're, They're missing Browns. their chubby, though. They're Browns. Yeah, but they have the, uh, the ish OBJ. He's former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. There is a lesson for the Cardinals in this postseason. I think there's two of them in particular that they should take from it. We'll talk about those coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Here we go to the fifth inning. Game three, Randy Arozarena on the first pitch, sends it deep into left, and there goes another one for Arozarena. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. There is a lesson to be learned in this playoffs. And no, it is not just Randy Rosarain is awesome, and the Cardinals shouldn't have traded him. That That is certainly a lesson that should probably be learned. But that's not the route that I'm going here. You got to hit dingers, Jamie Rivers. 19-1, and one, that's what the record is. The team that hits more home runs in the games this postseason, they are 19-1 and one overall. 
you got to hit homers. The Cardinals didn't hit enough of them this year. We all know their issues with the power So uh, uh, over the course of the last two or three years now. It's been the thing that they've been looking for. That's why they kept Tyler O'Neill and kept trying to make that work. Well, he was first on the team in homers. He was tied for first on the team with homers, and he had seven on the year. <laughs> Wasn't good enough. The problem is he also struck out a ton. And this is the other lesson to be learned. It's not just you got to hit the homers. It's also contact rate matters. Making contact with the ball matters in the playoffs. And if you look at it, our, our guy Jared Diamond, who we've had on the show before from the Wall Street Journal, he wrote a great piece today. And basically what the, his conclusion was, if you look at the strikeout rates among teams in baseball, it's actually the single most identifiable, uh, identifiable rather, um, statistic to predict who's going to do well in the postseason. If you look at the contact rate and the strikeout rate, that is more predictive even than home run rate for these teams because home runs at times can be a little bit random. You can have a guy that just runs into one. Colton Wong hit one in the playoffs for the Cardinals. Harrison Bader hit one. That's not something you're expecting, right? It just kind of happens sometimes. Unless it's an expected hit. Exactly. Aledmus Diaz ran into one in the postseason for the Astros. So sometimes they just happen. But the Cardinals need to have two things on their mind this offseason as they're trying to identify and add, hopefully, some talent to this roster. Homers and strikeout rate. If you can get better with the power while also not giving up a ton in terms of the strikeouts, that's how you find the players that can really help you, especially in the playoffs. That's what the Cardinals need to be looking for based on what we've seen from this postseason, Jamie. Yeah, look, I agree. Now, how do you find that, right? I think that's the biggest, I don't say mystery, because I think there's a couple of guys out there that you could identify that are possibilities, but how do you acquire them? And yes, oh, well, George Springer, he's going to be a free agent. We talked about him at length here for the last while. But the Cardinals aren't going to be the only team that give him a call, right? And then how much are you going to open up your pocketbook? What is your situation with Wayne Owen, Yachty, and Colton Wong? And we understand that, uh, you know, these are biblical losses that are going on in Major League Baseball. So I just wonder, there's two ways to look at it. One, it's either going to be really, really hard to get a guy like George Springer, or maybe it'll be a lot easier because there won't be as many people in line for it. I don't know which one it's going to be yet. Yeah, I mean, if you want to upgrade in that area, and you have to upgrade in that area, it's simple. you got to pay, and that's what you have out there. It's not as simple for Cardinals to pay because that is their money, and we are in a pandemic, and they have lost money. But it's simple enough to say, okay, this guy is having an incredible postseason run this year. He's put together incredible postseason runs in the past, hits the ball, he's young, gives you defense, he's everything you need. Now you just got to go pay it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line to get involved in the show. Jamie, you mentioned this a few weeks ago as it pertains to the NHL free agency, right? There's going to be a group of players that they are not affected by the pandemic. Petro is one of those players. He's going to get paid because he is the elite of the elite. It's not going to affect them as much. Maybe there are teams that would have otherwise been in that won't be because of the pandemic, but they're still going to get paid. That's George Springer. George Springer is going to be at the top of the market this offseason. If you are looking for an outfielder, he's your guy. He can play center. He can play left. He can play right. He's good defensively. He's good on the base paths. He's got power. He's got everything you're possibly looking for. The only question about him is how much of this is because the Astros cheated. 
but he seems to be proving or dispelling that myth as well based on what he's doing in the playoffs with no fans in the stands right now. So I would trust that this is real from him. He's going to get paid. JT Realmuto, he's going to get paid. Trevor Bauer, might be for one year, but he's going to get paid as well. It's that second tier and below that could get hurt by this pandemic and by the biblical losses, as we have said so much. And it's also the guys that would have maybe otherwise been trade candidates. I don't think Nolan Arenado, unfortunately, is going to be a trade candidate for the Cardinals now because of what we're going through. I don't think they're going to be willing to add that $25 plus million per year in payroll. And this is where it gets really hard. And this is why, as we go back to the conversation we had in the first hour, the trade of Randy Rosarena hurts so much. That guy's going to make like $500,000 this year. He's exactly what the Cardinals are looking for. The power-hitting, contact-hitting outfielder that is young and cost-controlled for the next six years. Well, that's what they need. They need to go find that guy. The problem is they had him, and then they let the, let him walk out the door because they wanted the left-handed pitching prospects. Based on the information and the topic we had, oh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but you brought it up, and it was a great topic just about how teams are going to be cutting costs and how the Milwaukee Brewers have already stepped out in front of it and said, listen, we've got to lower our salary cap. We've got to do all sorts of things. Based on that information, and I said it in that segment there, I don't think the Cardinals do anything. I don't think they do a darn thing. And I think that the strategy is going to be to salvage whatever finances they can throughout next season and that the other teams are going to be shedding salary and players that it puts them competitive again automatically by just being by staying status quo. And that's my feelings on it. And people won't like that. But I think that going out and spending a, a big bunch of money on one guy, I just don't see it being a pattern for John Mozeliak. It's interesting you mentioned that because, Ferrario, if we can get this audio, Kylie McDaniel was on with the morning show the other day. And he's an ESPN writer. He, he's typically, he's really good on the prospects. He looks at what the, what's going on in the minors, who your prospects are within a system, and what they can ultimately be. But he also does cover Major League Baseball. And so he was on with the morning show, and they asked him about where the Cardinals are right now as a franchise, right? Like, what if you were doing a state of the Cardinals address, where would you say that they are currently? Here's what he had to say to them. But especially with the expanded playoffs, like not being in the top five to seven baseball at anything, is it, this is the best time to be there. Uh, and the history that the Cardinals have had of, like I said, you know, making more out of less in general, uh, that, you know, if you can just sneak into a wild card spot, there, there aren't huge advantages right now, especially in the playoffs for this year, for being the number one or number two seed. If you can just, like, you know, have two good pitchers and string together some hits, like you can, you know, get into the later stages of the playoffs and who knows what happens then. So I wouldn't say it's like, materially different than like you know 10 years ago when things were going really well in terms of like the the outlook going forward it's like oh it's pretty good we should probably be fine if i'm a cardinals fan pretty good we should probably be (laughs) fine i didn't know he had that by the way that's stressful (laughs) this is this is why cardinals fans are so frustrated but also why it's difficult to really be like man this team stinks they suck you gotta fire it's not that bad like they're, they're still making the playoffs they're still probably going to be the favorite going into the year to win the central it's pretty good. It's not bad. But we want it to be great. We want them to strive for more, right? We we want them to have something better than what it has been. We don't want them to settle. And it feels like there's going to be a natural inclination for them to kind of settle this offseason because you look around the rest of the division, it's like Brewers getting worse, Cubs getting worse, Reds probably getting worse, Pirates stink. What's the incentive, really, for them to go into next season making these massive upgrades where they're adding payroll to the club if 
they are pretty good, and they're likely going to make the playoffs again. And if you get a couple of guys that outproduce out what you're expecting, suddenly you feel good about it. I'm not saying I want them to do that. I think you guys know I don't. But I understand where they're coming from. Doesn't that become the definition of insanity, though? Like doing the same thing over and over. Like, don't you? Yeah, like, but they, Alex, here's where I go with it. Okay, and you're right. You're 100 percent right. You're just cycling prospects through. Oh, but these guys aren't. These guys are good. They're not great. Well, well the next ones are going to be good. But and if not Mo great. can keep them competitive, okay. Now, hear me out. Text line. Hear me out. Don't don't get angry at me. Oh God, are you going back to the blow, blow it up? No, no, no. Patience with me, please. Mm. Try. It's difficult. I know. So hear me out. If the Cardinals can stay competitive for next season, and BK, this goes back to a point you've made several times already, that we shouldn't be worried about next season or looking at that season to be the big difference maker. We should be looking at the season following that. 2022 2022 season. season, The 2021 offseason going into that year. Correct. And reasons why, we've identified it. Fowler and Carpenter, I believe, come off the books. And you will have had another season to see some of the young guys. Maybe a Nolan Gorman makes big steps. Dylan Carlson's developed another year. You may have a better idea of what you have. But here's the big one. The big one is you stay competitive throughout a year that you're just holding pattern, okay? You're staying in there holding pattern, and you stay competitive. You're probably going to make the playoffs. So what a great opportunity, okay? I'm using, I'm putting on a business hat. I'm not putting on my cards jersey here and, and drinking beer. Put on the motai. I'm, I'm putting on the motai right now. If you can stay competitive and then get a big chunk of money coming off the books, and now you can go out and maybe there's something better than George Springer out there a year five. Like, you don't know. I don't know what's available following next season, but maybe then you that's where you hit your home run, you know, air quotes. That's where you hit your home run in free agents or a trade, and then you know what you have, and maybe then the Cardinals say, you know what, now it's pedal to the metal time of going for a championship. Well, that's cute. I know, Mo. I'm trying to help you out here. Um, not great. No, you're right. It's never here's great a, when I help. Here's the problem with that, though. <laughs> then you're a year removed from having Yachty again. And does that change your competitiveness? Because if he's not back Are after you, a year... Yachty signed a two-year deal. There's no... Is he's he? not, I guarantee he wants two years. He has begun public, and we've talked to Benji Molina, all, everybody in his camp, right? Two years seems to be the number that keeps popping up. Yeah. Well, and if that's the, if that's the case, then great. But if not... Two years from now, you might not have Yachty. And then where do you look? Or you might not have Colton Wong. How does your defense look at that point? I, I feel like you got to strike while the, iron, while the iron's hot. Right now, you have possibly the best pitching staff in the National League Central. But is the iron hot right now? If you find somebody who could hit the dang ball, it's I think hot. we need more than one. Like, is the iron hot? Is it really? I, know I think it's... Dylan Carlson can be that other one for you, though. I'm not sure he can be All right. a legendary bat for you, but I think he can at least hit the ball. Look, if you have a Dylan Carlson as a two-hole, if you get yourself a guy who can hit in the four-hole and put Paul DeYoung at five, your two through five is about as dangerous as anybody it's in the NFL. Does make it a full season, though? Who? DeYoung's been sporadic. That's fair. It's Yeah, I'm definitely fair. The reason why I keep bringing up the 2021 offseason, so basically a year from right now as being the time, is this. $12.5 million, Colton Wong. $16.5 million, Dexter Fowler. $11.5 million, Carlos Martinez. $12 million, Andrew Miller. $18.5 million, uh, Matt Carpenter. That's $71 million in total. That's all coming off of the books after next season. Wouldn't that give you satisfaction knowing that if he pay somebody now... 
for this upcoming season. Yeah, it's going to be tight, but next year we got all this money coming off of the book. You could be preemptive like that. You could say, I want to get ahead of it. But my point, again, goes back to, is George Springer the best one available in the next two off-seasons? No. Depends on what position you're looking for. No. I I mean, even even, either or. Doesn't matter. If you're going, we talked about it, though. Shortstop in third base is the area for next season. More shortstop than third base. That's the area for next season. Are you comfortable with shifting Paul DeYoung to third base and getting a shortstop? I haven't looked at the trade What's wrong with Tommy Edmond playing third base and leaving DeYoung at shortstop? Well, nothing, but then you're still stuck with the same outfield. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, is it like, is George Springer the answer? Because then a two-year, two-off seasons from now, who's available? And I know we don't know, and I keep saying that. The other thing is we don't know who the outfielders are going to be that are available, right? The year before Christian Yelich was traded, we didn't necessarily mm-hmm. know for sure that Christian Yelich was going to become available. Same Stanton, with Stanton, too, yeah. Stanton was talked about for years as being, hey, if he ever comes available, that's a guy that you got to go after. Right. And then suddenly he became available, and it happened quick. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay... They sell the team. There's this new ownership coming in. Boom, he's on the market. He's available. Who wants to go get him? So we don't know who that guy's going to be next year. Who is going to be the next outfielder that is available via trade? Who's the next infielder that going into the final year of their deal? It's like, okay, yeah, we want to get rid of this guy. I don't know who that's going to be. So it could be somebody else coming up next offseason. I like the idea of getting ahead of it now. I don't think the Cardinals want to get ahead of it now. I think they want to drop this salary off of their books and then add more salary to the payroll. Do I love it? No, but I understand it, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and because of the financial realities. I I hate it, but I I understand it. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Are we really moving on from former first-round quarterbacks after one season in the NFL now? Seems like that's the new trend. Is it fair? We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So we're moving on from young quarterbacks faster than ever in the NFL. Faster than ever. Just last year, Dwayne Haskins, number 15 overall pick. Did you guys see the news yesterday? Washington, the professional football team that plays there that doesn't have a name. Mm-hmm. They're moving on from him. They They're have going a name. Kyle Allen. They have a name. Yeah, the football team. The Washington Washingtons. Okay. Dwayne Haskins is no longer their starting quarterback. They have decided to move on. Now, I am not here to pretend like Dwayne Haskins is a great quarterback. He has not been good for them thus far. I understand that. I've watched the game just as, as you have. That being said, I do think this is really quick. Jamie, and it seems like it's becoming a new trend around the league of, okay, if my quarterback isn't good immediately, we're ready to move on right away. Daniel Jones, are we sure he's getting another year after this year if the Giants don't continue getting this thing together? They got a top pick. I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to move on. Uh, You look back to Sam Darnold. If the Jets have the number one overall pick, I bet you they move on from him. Josh Rosen, one and done out in Arizona. This is happening really fast now. Mitch Trubisky got two years as a starter, and he's pulled the plug on. I understand the decisions. It's just crazy to me because in the past, you get that first rookie contract to be able to show if you can play or not, and now it's happening one, maybe two years. And if you haven't shown anything, they're pulling the plug on you quick. Yeah, I look at a couple of things on this one is Ron Rivera wasn't there when they drafted Haskins, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not his guy. And let me tell you from past experience, when you're not somebody's guy who drafted you or brought you in, guess what? You're not their guy unless you play outstanding. And Haskins hasn't done that yet. Now, does he have the team to allow him to play outstanding? No, he doesn't. So whatever the case is, I think Ron Rivera already had it in his mind that he's ready to pull the plug 
quickly, if need be there, and go in a different direction. Now, what do they have laying in the in the weeds after that? Kyle Allen, who stinks. We exactly, saw him last right? year with the Panthers. But let's dive into this, okay? You've got the New York Giants, who suck, and they could be in the running for a top pick. you got the Jets, who suck, and you got the Washington Washingtons sitting over there. And now they're like, hey, maybe we don't suck enough yet. <laughs> All right? <laughs> we got a- Kyle Allen in here. We oh, wa- no, we suck again. Okay, but hear me out. Who's the number one quarterback that's going to be available in this upcoming draft? Justin Field? No. Trevor no. Lawrence. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. So if you're going to rebuild your franchise, and especially if you're Washington, you're Ron Rivera, the other two I'm still skeptical of, of Joe Judge and Adam Adam Gase there. <laughs> well, he's crazy. Gone. He's guy yeah. himself. Anyways, I'm not, but again, the Jets could be in a situation where they hold on to Gase and they go, we're not firing this guy. Let him ruin the season. We're going to bring in somebody really good, and then we're going to draft Trevor Lawrence first. And now we have a franchise. And Sam Darnold, maybe he's a poker chip for a trade. Maybe he's your backup. I don't know how you do that. I'm not going to dive into that. (laughs) But I am saying that based upon these young quarterbacks, I feel like each of these young quarterbacks has either been brought in by somebody different, then they're gone, or they're not there yet and somebody brings them in. It's not an ideal situation. Like Baker Mayfield... Look, he's had what another head coach? Mm-hmm. Had like three. Yeah, like it's it hasn't <laughs> been ideal, yeah. and he's been up and down and all around too with his yeah. play. I just feel like the the commitment lately from the franchises of having the coach and the quarterback there together and making that pick and sticking with it, it doesn't seem like it's a regular thing. Oh, it's it's a tinfoil <laughs> time, tinfoil time, boys. This is uh, this is the highway to Alex Smith. As soon as they found out Alex Smith was ready to come back and making his comeback to football. I don't want him to play. I'm so scared for him. I I am too. I I don't know how his wife could sit there and say, Alex, go back to football. He made the comeback. Now Ron Rivera wants him as the quarterback. How do you get him there? You put Josh Allen ahead of Dwight Haskins or uh, Dwayne Haskins. He's not good. Well, this didn't work. Oh, hey, our backup quarterback's ready to go. An incredible comeback story. Alex Smith is the quarterback is, at week six. For what it's worth, they have announced Alex Smith is going to be the backup this week. Jamie, in, in the NFL, you can only dress two. Yeah. And once you get, you can't have that third string quarterback, but he's like inactive. And if he comes into the game, the other two cannot come back in. So Smith is serving as that backup for, for Allen this week. It's possible, you're right. But God, I hope that doesn't happen. I, if he goes I, in for what? like a play. I want it to happen. Oh, I want to hear that. It makes me so nervous. He's he's a competitive athlete. He's gone through all of this pain and suffering and rebuilding. I want him to get his shot. And yeah, if he gets hurt again, guess what? He's okay with that. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like I can tell you myself, if I could have got back on the ice again after my injury to play, and like I would have, even at risk. I want to see him go in to to take a knee. I want to see him go in there as they are. Uh, winning a football game, and he can go in in victory formation, and he takes a snap, and it's, the comeback has been successful, and he does not get hit uh, by anybody. I, I want him to take the snap, drop back two or three, and zing one in uh, there for like a first down right away. By the way, guys, so if you look at the quarterbacks that have gone in the top 10 in the 2018 and 2019 draft classes, so the, the two years prior to this draft where we had Joe Burrow and Tua and Justin Herbert, you had Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. Is Josh Allen the best quarterback of those team of those guys? Oh, Kyler Murray. I think I think I Josh put Josh Allen. Allen today has been 
better. Josh I, Allen's I, an MVP candidate. Yeah, but if I'm if I'm building my team and I'm 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 totally taking Kyler Murray. I'm that with might, you. I will die on that hill. I'm with you. But Josh Allen's been better. Like I would also and go with, with Kyler Murray. Yeah. But Josh Allen's been the best of those guys, and I don't think any of those guys got as much crap about being top ten picks as Josh Allen did, which is wild the way that this all kind of turns around. It's a reminder that none of us know anything. And, Ky- and Kyler's got the That's better wide point. receiver. DeAndre Hopkins over Stephon Diggs. Although Diggs is really good. Diggs is really good, but DeAndre, we can all agree, is better, but still. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Crossing things over with the fast lane. Chris Ranji in studio. Ranj, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> I like Jamie Rivers. You know, I make you want to listen to this too. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we were talking about a thing that somebody does and uh, how it's just it's amazing that that person does this thing knowing that they should know better. You know, inside jokes make for really bad. I was going to say, I love inside jokes. I hope to be a part of one one day. I was about to get there. Yeah, I was about to get there if you had just shut up. And so so Jamie goes, Jamie goes, I do the same thing, but I'm an idiot. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Okay. That's that's great. In fairness, I do the same thing. But I'm an idiot, so. <laughs> but you're Jamie, Jamie Rivers, yeah. which makes yeah. it different. Yeah, it's you, mur- you murdered people on ice. It's okay. Are you looking forward to the game tonight, buddy? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Got my Bears hat on. Let's go. Um, I have an hour pick'em challenge. You know, did, did the, you make your pick? Oh, no. I did. I oh, saved no. it. Would you and stop? the score? I well, not the. You don't have to do the score yet. Do it now. No, I. I would like to think it's a hundred. Can I look? I want to it's win. Not a hundred. I know what I know what he's going to do. Ronji's going to double oh. whammy himself. Is he? Yep. Are you going to be KO yourself? You're you're going to pick the Bears, and you're going to be sad because the Bears are going to lose, and you also end up shot because the Bears lost. Incorrect. Here's what's happened. <laughs> so I have picked uh, the Bucks to win tonight, but also uh, FanDuel had a uh, had an odds boost. The twenty five to one. Yeah. So I took the Bears in that. So you can't lose. I cannot lose tonight. So when you did FanDuel, I know you probably used the promo code Brandon. W-X-O-S-1. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Yes. No, it was it was W-X-O-S-1. Oh, that was the old one. The one is very important. You cannot... <laughs> do not forget the one. Yeah, so well, either way, I win. Good. Although I had a really bad beat last night. Serious question. Oh, would okay, you rather well, win on, the $125 or get shot in the ass? I'll win the $125. Wait, um, yeah, not your great. question didn't get shot in the ass. <laughs> yeah. well, you you can't have both. I'll, take the, I'll take the 125 and get shot. Okay. Okay. A lot of good can come from that 125. Are what you was sure? your bad I could give it to last charity. Night. Let it ride. I could give it to charity. <laughs> oh my gosh. Charity what? named charity What's named Budweiser. There's nothing wrong with charity. I just didn't. well, there's a lot wrong with charity, but <laughs> she's only there on Friday nights. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Make what sure was you your question? Be what was your bad beat? Okay, so my bad beat last night. This is this is unbelievable. So I also did the the FanDuel had Tatis to hit a home run. Fernando oh, Tatis to no. hit a home run last night. So I took that. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. And then in his fourth at bat, he hits that ball to center field. I'm like, holy crap, it's going to hit. 
This is awesome. It's going to happen. Did you see Freaking the play, Cody Jamie? Bellinger goes up and yes. gets it. Holy cow. And then gives him the point. Yeah. That felt good. That uh, was pretty awesome. Then Machado comes yeah. out and tries to flex his muscles. And Max so, Muncy almost went at him. Those teams are so much fun. Oh, yes, yeah. they are. Like, as a Cardinals fan, I am watching this game with envy. I'm sitting there in my living room, and I am like, God, it would be awesome to have these good players. Right. <laughs> so a lot many of good players. Between and those the two rivalry, teams. yes, the, check the, the rivalry between the two of them. And it's just emerging. the passion, the energy, like it's just so much different. The yeah. the style yeah. of game that we're watching. I'm just glad San Diego is good again because you can have that rivalry right. because it was gone for so long. Right. I mean, they had it before, but you know, we always talk about Dodgers, Giants, Cubs, Cardinals, Sox, um, Yankees. You know, those sorts of rivalries. That Dodgers Padres rivalry right now is good. And it's fun, and they don't really like each other that much. And both teams have really good, exciting players. That right now is the best rivalry in the game. It's awesome, and it uh, six five seven eight zero oh, air comfort service text line from the six three six. You mean you're sitting in Kara's parents' living room? Uh, yes, that's. I thought I thought that was a given. Only I, if Keith lets him. I'm living with the future in laws. Yada yada yada. I understand. It, it's very embarrassing, but this is this Wait, is where so I'm at at the age of twenty, almost eight. Okay, because I remember you. Uh, was it you? No, I think Kara. Uh, posted a video of you and you retweeted it. Yeah, yeah. Of you explaining something about the Chiefs and how about great how they are. Destroying and, yeah. the second sitting best sitting on the, the edge of his seat. Yeah, sitting on the edge of his seat. And I said, my recliner. Yeah, I said that re- that living room. That's there's no way that's BK's living room. No, it's Kara's parents' living room. Exactly. <laughs> and it's actually, my future in law's yeah. living room. He had to ask Keith to get out of that chair so he could shoot the video real quick. Are you kidding? <laughs> No, of course. It's not my and chair. This is why chair. this is why people are calling Chiefs fans insufferable. Oh, that, that's, true. Of, so that's true. Because of you. That's true. Some Some excuse me. My team is winning. Get out of your recliner so I can film a video. It's really just the morning show that feels that way though, right? Nobody <laughs> yeah. else I don't know. <laughs> nobody else feels like we're insufferable. I don't know. Right? I, right Jamie? Sure. I think right. people probably do. Oh. Mm. What's coming up on the fast land today, buddy? <laughs> It's going to be four hours of Mitch today. No, we're going to we'll, we'll, we uh, we'll start things off with uh, the playoffs that are going on right now, and they are fun as we've talked about. And there's this guy that plays for a team that is currently in the postseason, and I got to tell you, the Cardinals could use a guy just like him. Will Myers. That's coming up from two to six for Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll be back tomorrow at eleven, right here on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.